Hey guys, what's going on? And we just want to say welcome back to a new episode of the Jay and Mike Take Flight Podcast. It's been a while since we recorded, but you know life happens and all that shit. But today as we are recording, we are going to be talking about E3 that just wrapped, amongst a few other news and tidbits that have come out since E3. And it's a lot of gaming news, so we're going to get just right into it and waste no time here. But uh, yeah, E3 came and it went and I would say, you know, instead of, you know, landed with a bang and landed with, you know, barely a thud, there wasn't a lot of announcements. A lot of studios either didn't partake or didn't have anything to show. We did get a Nintendo Direct out of it. We had a kind of a lulzy uh, Take Two press conference. We did have some stuff shown from uh, Xbox. They did decide to embark. Uh, Sony did not. They're deciding to do their own thing with their PS Direct. But we got a. A few announcements, such as Elden Ring that was uh, announced, but that's way off in the future. They're saying uh, more will be revealed in that game and with a release date set for 2022. We also uh, got some more news on a couple of Nintendo first party games, such as the new Breath of the Wild, uh, more Mario, uh, Mario stuff, also a new Metroid and things of that nature. And, you know, just kind of a a really uh, quiet E3, not really the E3 that people were expecting, especially since, you know, there wasn't much last year with the the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, people were expecting a lot of the game studios to come with a bang this year, but that did not happen. I'm guessing, you know, because of the pandemic and issues with just, you know, developing game these days in general, you know, it was not, you know, I guess an easy time for developers to be making games and just, they're still not up to speed, you know, as things get back in full motion. But uh, Mike, on your end, uh, is there anything from E3 that stood out to you just right off the, the top of your head that you uh, thought was noteworthy, at least for you? I'm going to be honest. Um, the past couple of E3s have been pretty shitty. Um, it's mostly been shit that we already know has been in the pipe for years uh, this e- this year's E3, especially, like it's dope that we got to see Elden Ring. You know, uh, we finally got to see glimpses of gameplay, but very like controlled, controlled edits of gameplay, which you know to be expected. Uh, beyond that, E3 was absolutely bare bones. Again, shit we've all known that's been been coming for years. You know, announced years ago. Shit we know is in the pipe. And, uh, you know, and that's not to say that there wasn't a few good things. Uh, Halo Infinite is starting to look like an actual Halo game. Uh, they didn't show us much of the, you know, story mode per se, but the multiplayer came out looking pretty good, pretty reminiscent of good old, fa- uh, good old fashioned classic Halo 3. And I can't fault it for doing that. You know, that's in, in a world of, oversaturated Call of Duty titles and clones of Call of Duty. It's kind of nice just to go back to like a normal Halo experienced uh, experience. You know, nothing, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't reinvent the wheel and it doesn't have to. I am more than fine with just having a classic Halo experience that just harnesses the good fun, you know, the, the plentiful, you know, swath of game modes that Halo 3 had. You know, um, what was it? Forge mode, where you could create your own game modes and shit. Like a lot of a lot of fun stuff came out of Forge mode, and hopefully this is something that Halo Infinite carries on. Uh, 
we saw stuff from Bethesda Starfield, which again, it's another pre-rendered cutscene trailer, no gameplay. And this is for a game that's supposed to be launching later this year. And, or, or is it next year? I don't even know. I, I don't even fucking know what this point is. Do you know? I'll, I'll be, I don't know off the top of my head because I've got to be honest. It has nothing to do even with Fallout 76, but anything that's been, you know, these open world types of game, whether it's Bethesda or another studio, everything now that has a pre-rendered cutscene that looks really good gives me severe Cyberpunk 2077 uh, vibes. And unless they're going to show actual gameplay, you know, in a non-controlled environment and let people actually touch this thing, you know, I can't, with these trailers anymore, man, I can't really put too much, you know, you know, thought behind them because, it's like whether it's going to come out in a year, it's going to come out in five years from now, as we learned with Cyberpunk just recently in Fallout 76 that they just try to rush out the door and even Fallout 4 to a lesser extent, man. You know, they can show you whatever they're going to show you a year or two out or even, you know, months out. That that doesn't mean anything. For all you know, you're watching footage that they've had in the can for over six months and you have no idea what you're actually looking at. And it's a shame that things have gotten to that, but I'm completely now at the point where it's like, you know, you got you got to show me the Carfax, bud. Yeah, same. If if you don't have any sort of gameplay available, and this Starfield's been in development for a couple of years now, we've known about it since what 2019, early 2019, maybe even late 2018. I don't exactly remember, but the fact that we're we're still just getting pre-rendered cutscene trailers and. I don't know how people can get hyped up when they haven't seen a fucking millisecond of game footage. And it's supposed to be, you know, from Bethesda themselves. It's like, it's going to be like Skyrim in space. It's like, that's not the flex you think it is anymore. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed Skyrim. I enjoyed Oblivion. I enjoyed Fallout 3 and 4. Uh, but like, your games are getting extremely formulaic. It's not helping that you will not, will not change the fucking game engine. We've been using, they, they've been using the same game engine since Oblivion way back in 2005. It's, it's been going on for a long time. We, we got 16 years of using the same game engine. And again, it's just going to be, a, it's going to be the same shit for Starfield. Add into the fact that Starfield is Xbox exclusive and you have one entire sect of people who aren't going to even get to play the fucking game. And uh, I understand that uh, that's what happens, you know, when your studio just gets bought up for an absurd amount of money. I understand that's what happens with exclusives. And I'm fine with that to a degree uh, because Starfield was promised to be a multi-platform game. And now we're not going to get that. And, you know, down the road, we'll, we'll see if that happens to Elder Scrolls Six, uh, Doom, Wolfenstein. It, it could probably happen to any of them. Anything under Bethesda's umbrella, you know, if Microsoft says, you know, they snap their fingers and say, yes, we want an exclusive, that's it for you playing it if you are on any other uh, platform with the exception of, obviously, the Xbox and PC. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this, and you know, back to the Starfield thing that you just got off. So the release date is November uh, 11th, 2022. That's when that game is supposedly coming out. And at the end of the day, this is all just, you know, uh, 
a semi attempt at a flex for uh, Microsoft because they need a heavy hitter to basically push this game pass service until, you know, Halo's ready to see the light of day. And I mean, you know, they've already announced that, you know, coming to game pass, you're going to have psychonauts too. back for blood will also be available day one on game pass, which I'm sure is going to do wonders for the servers. Uh, they also announced Forza horizon five will be a day one, uh, uh, Stalker 2 and also Hades and uh, um, smaller games like Among Us will also be coming to Game Pass Day 1 that they were trying to uh, push out because, you know, everything right now with Microsoft until they get some exclusives for their system, everything is about uh, Game Pass right now, just pushing that thing on Game Pass. I mean, now they're getting to the point where they're saying uh, they're really trying to get themselves into the PC market as well by pushing Game Pass as a service on the PC market for, for people that want to stream games and don't want to necessarily play on consoles. They've also recently discounted the uh, Xbox Series S. I saw it as of this recording for as low as I think it was going for $370. And they're also, uh, you know, pushing these, uh, you know, trying to push the PC hybrid model with Game Pass and all these day one games. And I get it. And I know that Starfield is what they plan to be one of their heavy hitters, but I don't know. I'm just skeptical, especially, you know, with any of these games coming out on Game Pass that have an online component, especially server-wide. You know, I, I personally, me, I just saw, you know, the the hell that was caused on MLB The Show when that became a cross-platform uh, game and it launched on Game Pass Day 1 and those servers for people that were used to playing that game on only PlayStation did not work for anyone for about three or four weeks after launch. So I don't know about these day one games on game pass, especially when they, some of them rely heavily on multiplayer, like back for blood. I I just don't know how this is going to be sustainable, especially with smaller studios, not being able to put the capital behind the servers the way they need to. Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem, especially with you and the show, I know you were having big problems with the show and not being able to play certain modes to the point where you had to make an entirely, you know, other account on your PlayStation just to play one mode, which is, it's insane. It's insane that uh, they won't even look at the issues that they're having in the show. And, you know, that's, that's a completely, that's a complete shit show as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the rest of E3, um, what else was there? there really wasn't like much man we just had like you know what there was more than anything indie titles and don't get me wrong like i enjoy indie titles here and there but uh the absolute flood we got of them like they they just over overwhelmed anything that was any sort of triple a game uh there were very few middle market games shown which i don't expect middle market games to be shown at e3 or really anything anymore uh considering their uh, their stance and you know the industry as it is which is a shame because middle market games are still can still be really really good uh nintendo had a few games but the uh the main shining light and uh, i know a lot of people were expecting different i know a lot of people wanted metroid prime 4 and uh, a lot of a lot of doubt is being casted at metroid prime 4 because nintendo has come out and said that we basically have to rework the game from the ground up. You know, there, there's a lot of design things, a lot of things that went wrong. So we basically have to redesign the whole game. But uh, in the meantime, may we show you this other Metroid game? It's a uh, it's a classic 
2.5D scroller, you know, very traditional Metroid experience, very, you know, classic Metroidvania sort of thing. Only this time you have Samus being chased by this gigantic robot thing that uh, it's the one enemy in the game she cannot defeat, uh, which, uh, you know, in, in it's kind of in the realm of like the Resident Evil 2 remake or Resident Evil 3 remake where you had, you know, Mr. X and, and the Nemesis chasing you respectively. Only in this case, it's in the Metroid universe and you can't do anything about that robot except avoid it at all costs. And I thought that was super interesting. It was crazy to see an enemy that Samus couldn't outright fight. I mean, for fuck's sake, you're talking about a character that goes toe-to-toe with Ridley and Craid on the daily. And, uh, the, and and not to mention the Metroids themselves. And uh, there's just, you can't deal with the robot. It's almost like a Terminator sort of thing. And uh, the game looks, right now, because like, we actually got to see gameplay, but the game looks fantastic. It, again, traditional Metroid experience. I'm here for it. I fucking love Metroid. Uh, you know, I when Metroid... Uh, the uh, Metroid remake came out on 3DS. I got its limited edition 3DS just for it. It's a fantastic looking fucking little piece of hardware. And it, it was a great game. Uh, Metroid Dread should be just as quality. It should absolutely be just as quality. Um, and then uh, there, Breath of the Wild 2 was shown, which I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not that, I'm not as excited yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not excited at all. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Breath of the Wild is bad. It's just like, you know, we always see Zelda. We always see Legend of Zelda. We always see Mario. We never rarely see Metroid. And I was ecstatic when that happened. Uh, same thing like, like you know, several French Nintendo franchises are rarely come out these days or rarely are a thing, you know, like Kid Icarus, Metroid, even Star Fox to a degree. So when Metroid comes out, um, I notice. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, I'll be on the same boat as you in the sense that I saw The Legend of Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild 2, like kind of little teaser they put out there, you know, don't get me wrong, I have nothing against the Legend of Zelda franchise, I have no issue with the Breath of the Wild, I played briefly myself, but it's just not a game personally that I could see myself getting into, you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe one day I'll probably give it another try and see if I could kind of, you know, understand the luster but as far as a guy who's used to playing, you know, survival horror games a lot, I like survival horror. I also like just games that are, you know, intense. And I, I also miss those old D, uh, the old school, you know, Metrovania types of games, like the older Castlevanias on the, you know, the Game Boy Advance and, you know, even Symphony of the Night when it was on the PlayStation. Like, I like those type of games. And Metroid Dread seems to kind of blend that survival horror with also kind of that Castlevania aspect, you know, hence the name Metroidvania that they said, but it seems to blend all those aspects kind of like a more classic feel for somebody like me, and especially now having from what the teaser shows an enemy type that you can't fight and you have to basically outrun and you have to try to outmaneuver seems very interesting to me. And I'm really interested in seeing where they go with that. But, you know, besides Metroid uh, Dread that they announced and uh, Breath of the Wild 2, which we just brought up, they announced uh, Mario Party Superstars, which is going to be a new Mario Party title that is going to be a mix of a remaster and a new game because it's going to bring new uh, mini games to the game, as well as incorporate older games, uh, older mini games and uh, boards from past entries. And supposedly it's going to have over 100 mini games and a lot of the people's favorites from uh, Mario Party 64 are coming back. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people into that. 
We also got a, which we rarely get as well. We also got a WarioWare game. So Wario is coming back and he's going to be on the Switch with a new WarioWare game that looks interesting. We also had the announcement of a Shin Megami Tensai 5, which I know a lot of, we have a lot of people that are into the Shin Megami uh, Tensai series. So this should be a big deal for them. And it looked pretty interesting, kind of looked like a, 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 a kind of in a way, it looked like Shin Megami's take on Pokemon. That's what I got out of it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's essentially what these games are because Shin Megami Tensei also uh, it created the universe that Persona exists in. Yes, yes. That's and, which, and they also have like, hey, let's capture the monsters and make them fight for us and shit. So in a way, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that and also, you know, obligatory because you know this is one of the switches you know main things because you know besides their first party game they don't really get a lot of exclusive third party games more so they get ports so we had an announcement for uh, life is strange true colors and life is strange the remastered collection which you know i've already had those games on the playstation so you know really not an announcement that does anything for me but if you're a person that only has a switch accessible to you i guess this would be news that you're interested in we also had Advance Wars 1 and 2, the reboot camp. It seems to be a remaster of the original Advance Wars games. Uh, and then in other announcements, they just talked about bringing over finally the Doom Eternal's Ancient God Part 1 DLC, which I hate to say this for you Nintendo fans. Please don't kill the messenger. I'm just saying it looks awful, by the <laughs> way. Uh, textures were really bad, and I wouldn't... And, once again, I'll have to go back to what I just said a few seconds ago. Unless you only have access to the Nintendo Switch, I have even even if it's because you want portability, I have no way of understanding those that say they would prefer to play Doom Eternal or any of those first-person shooter games that you know are graphically intensive and need you know a steady frame rate to be enjoyed in the best way that you can tell me that you prefer playing that on the Nintendo Switch. I mean, I understand they're doing these ports because there are people that only have the Switch, but you can't tell me that you looked at that trailer and were like, yeah, that's the way I want to experience that game. Like, don't, don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah, no. They, they, I've actually, like, watched, you know, footage on YouTube of the Nintendo Switch Doom Eternal, and it's rough. Oh, my God. Uh, first off, I don't even know if it runs on 60 frames on a Switch. I would have to imagine because yeah, just I believe it's 30. Oh God. I, if I'm oh. not mistaken, it's it's 30. There's it's not 60. It's it's definitely that's... 30. But I mean, even that's a flex for them because the hardware that the switch is running on to even get it to run is 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 kind of impressive, the same way they did with Skyrim and the Witcher. It is impressive. But at the same time, you know, if I if if options were all, you know, if options, you know, were presented in front of me, I'd I'd rather just play these on a even a base PS4 at that point. If you know it was either that or the Switch. Oh, definitely. I I would take a base console over or PC over the Switch any day. Uh, Nintendo consoles, especially now these days, now that Sony and Microsoft are just beefing up their consoles to try and compete with PC power. Uh, having games chopped down and stripped down to get to run on the switch. Uh, it's, it's an impressive feat, but that's because like, it's going backwards and like, let's see how many strips of varnish I could take off this fucking chair before it looks like shit, but still functionally works the same. And that's what you got, you know, going with switch games, uh, much like, uh, uh, like you said, Witcher, uh, which is weird because uh, the Witcher three on the switch 
has a super impressive graphic suite that isn't available on the PS4, and I don't understand that, but the Switch has it. Go figure that shit out. Uh, I'll never know why the PS4 can't have a graphic suite so you could turn off any sort of anti-aliasing or, uh, you know, or, or post-processing effect or anything of the sort. But, you know, Switch gets that and nobody else does unless, you know, of course, again, you're playing on PC. But, uh, yeah, uh, Doom Eternal or any first-person shooter that isn't first-party developed or a Switch exclusive is not something I would want to partake on yeah. the Switch. Yeah, uh, definitely not. Like, there's, I'm the same way. I want nothing to do with that. But off of Doom Eternal, they also announced the free DLC will be making its way to Mario Golf Super Rush. That includes new characters and new courses. The other big announcement Nintendo dropped, which kind of does nothing for me because I am not a Super Smash Brothers player, but they announced that Kazuya from Tekken will be coming to uh, Smash Brothers and he will be a playable character in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, they also announced that uh, Mario is going to be joining up with the Rabbids again in Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. That's coming out at some point in 2022. No exact release date confirmed at this point. They also announced, uh, we didn't get to this yet because this is on another, this announcement originally uh, came from another presentation, but uh, they announced that Square Enix's Guardians of the Galaxy will be coming to the Switch this October, October 26th. And there will be a gameplay demo that will be available for people to play earlier in the week. Worms Rumble was announced that uh, has since launched. It was announced as a title that will be launching right after E3 the following week. And then we also got an announcement for a new Super Monkey Ball, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania to be specific. It is a remastered of the first three games in the GameCube era. And that will hit the Switch on October 5th. So I know a lot of people will like that. And then there is a game that I thought was interesting, not because I would probably pick it up, but because it kind of brings back the nostalgia factor. They announced that they uh, will have a Nintendo Switch exclusive in the fall called Cruisin' Blast, which is a spinoff of the Cruisin' Exotica series for all you arcade fans out there. And that was one of my favorite racing games when I used to go to the arcades back in the day. So they announced that's coming. They also have a port of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which is not a game I personally played, but it is being ported to the Switch. That should be another interesting port to see how they do that. They also announced that, uh, they announced that coming July 9th, which is right around the corner as we're recording this, that Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin will be coming out July 9th. And then they also announced that they'll be uh, releasing Danganronpa Decadence, which will be the first three games in a package. And they also announced that this was interesting as people, if you're at like me, that you like survival horror game, that they are porting over the one Fatal Frame game that got released on the Wii U, Fatal Frame Made in a Black Water, is coming to the Switch, and it will not only have supposedly better graphics but also additional content that did not make it into the wii u release and that was pretty much besides i guess maybe one last thing to say that they released uh they're also talking about a port that is out now that was announced at uh e3 as well was a port for tony hawk's pro skater one and two remastered where it's announced for the switch that came out june 25th and that was it pretty much on my notes for nintendo direct i mean it, it was what you expected. You got, you know, a lot of the classic characters getting announced with, you know, some newer games, you know, a lot of ports and just basic, you know, a lot of fluff. I know a lot of Nintendo fans 
supposedly, you know, through the Reddit verse, were pretty pissed off because there was no announcement for new content for Animal Crossing. But I feel like when that does drop, I mean, they they have nothing to fret about. That's one of Nintendo's biggest franchises now, and they're trust me, they're they're gonna milk the cow, guys. You'll be fine. There's nothing to get mad about. But uh, staying on the Nintendo front, that has necessarily nothing to do with um, Nintendo Direct specifically. As we're recording this today, news has dropped on a leak for the Nintendo Switch Pro, which has been heavily rumored to be to be in existence for the past couple of months, and I would say even as early as the winter. And apparently, the leak comes from a Chinese Switch accessories manufacturer that said that unlike people's predictions, there will be no Switch Pro in 2021 because of manufacturing issues, but they were told that they will be ready for a global market release in 2022. Now, once again, these are rumors, take them with a grain of salt, but if this is true about some of the issues with the specs on the Nintendo Switch Pro, it's rough and it's not probably going to be the upgrade that people are expecting so the gpu is expected to clock the switch pro to almost one gigahertz the existing clock on the current gpu for the current switch is only 768 megahertz it's also said that the nintendo switch will be able to do 720p and 120 frames per second in the portable mode but unfortunately, due to issues that will probably still be existing at launch, they will have to compromise on the power, and the portable mode will only be able to do 60 frames at 720p until a later update due to the maintenance problems at launch. Performance and stationary mode now is known to be currently optimized for the 1440p resolution, it was said that NVIDIA's latest technology was to be included, but due to various problems, it may be applied only in stationary mode or may come out sealed at the time of release. So that's the only rumors we have on the Switch Pro, but I mean, 720p, 120 frames in portable mode, I guess not bad because it's portable mode. You can't expect much, but if you're running a game at 120p in portable mode, I'm expecting that thing to run through battery like no tomorrow. And then the, the one that had me kind of interested was the performance of stationary mode is only going to be optimized for 1440p. And I'm assuming that if they're going to want to hit the higher frame rates, especially on that, you know, the lower hardware, that's probably going to dip well below that. Uh, Mike, what do you think about these rumors so far on this Switch Pro? We've been, uh, we've been hearing about Switch Pros for a long time now. Uh, I would say like maybe, you know, a year and a half, to two years after the actual switch came out way back in 2017. Uh, it's why I don't have a switch because I keep expecting Nintendo to go ahead and make a switch pro announcement. And like, obviously I don't want to get the switch and then, Hey, here's a brand new version of the switch that, you know, outperforms, even if it's incrementally outperforms, you know, your fucking switch that you just got. How you doing? And it's like, Oh, come on, man. I, I wish they would really stop fucking around. I, I wish like there would const not just constantly be leaks and that Nintendo would be just super transparent and just tell us, yes, it's in the works. Stay tuned. That's all you need to say. A instead of 
instead of having you know the game of cat and mouse or just being quiet and letting all these people do all the leaking and shit and it's like sure a lot of these leakers are super reliable at what they do but at the same time it's not exactly the life affirming you know uh, evidence it is as just a clear cut confirmation from nintendo themselves and uh like I said, it's the reason why I don't have a Switch. I, I keep thinking that the second I do just give in and get a regular Switch, they're going to announce the Pro the very next day, and I'm just going to sit there like, fuck. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it comes down to a point where I, I don't know if I would want to just get the Switch anyway, because, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, like 720 in portable mode, that, that's fine and whatnot. You know, the 120 frames is, you know, that's that's pretty uh, shit talkery to me. But I, I would be fine with just stuff at 60 frames. Uh, the whole 1440, 60, you know, in its dock mode, that's fine. I uh, shit when it comes to most things, I, I don't even really need 4K. I'm perfectly happy with 4K 60 gaming uh, for you know, not 4K, 1440p 60 for you know. 60 FPS gaming. I feel like that's it's a nice sweet spot between having your game be visually good looking, but then having the performance be up to snuff and not be, you know, chuggy or, you know, 30 frames. And again, not saying 30 frames is absolutely unplayable, but let's all be real. 60 frames is way better. We all want that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I hope it happens. Uh, it would be nice if, you know, 2022 is a real thing for the Switch Pro. And, you know, it's not just waiting another year just to get a fucking Switch so I can play like Astral Chain or something. That that would be fantastic. But, I, you know, again, some real evidence is needed here. Some real actual, you know, like Nintendo stepping forward to the uh, front of the pack and being like, yeah, it's real. Other than that, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm twisting in the wind here, uh, basically at Nintendo's mercy. Eh. I, I, I think that's most of uh, gamers and Nintendo fans in general. Everybody's twisting at the wind because everybody knows that Nintendo tends to lock down their uh, their information kind of as if, if it's DEFCON 5. But yeah, often... They're not transparent at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're not trying to give up anything. But uh, off of the Nintendo news, we also had a... Uh, a press conference from Square Enix and one of their big hitters that they decided to reveal is uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. This apparently is going to be, according to them, as, as it was described, a narrative-driven single-player third-person action-adventure game that puts you in the boots of Peter Quill, Star-Lord himself, with the unpredictable Guardians of the Galaxy at your side as you bounce from one explosive situation to another with the very fate of the universe in the balance. Now, my issue is I have nothing against the Guardians of the Galaxy. I actually enjoy those movies. They're one of the better Marvel team movies, in my opinion. But I don't know, man. After Avengers, Square Enix and Marvel properties, I don't know. Because if this is going to be a narrative-driven game, that's fine. That's one thing. But I played a little bit of Avengers. And I mean, besides even the backlash as, as recently as probably a week ago when they had an update that came out that revealed people's IP addresses during multiplayer, which has kind of got to be the one of the biggest oofs of this decade. 
I, I don't know. I, I couldn't get into Avengers. It wasn't for me. It's It was very much built upon that whole idea of, you know, loot boxes and getting people to unlock skins for the characters. And I mean, it's gotten to the point where you need to do some of the later end game content. You need to have, you know, a full squad, but then everybody has to play as one of the, the heroes. You can't play as the same hero two people at the same time. So it's like you had people that'd be like, okay, I'll join your team, but I don't want to play as the Hulk. I want to play as Captain America. And you got your friend going, no, I'm playing as Captain America. And then the guy's like, well, guess what? I'm not playing. And that's it. And then guess what? You have no access to that content because you cannot play it as a single player. You need to play with a full multiplayer squad. And basically a week after the game out, came out, those uh, Steam numbers and just numbers across all uh, platforms kind of plummeted in general. And that was it. Now, if Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be different and this is going to be as they said, a single-player narrative-driven experience that is going to let you just play as the Guardians of the Galaxy through a story and none of this monetization bullshit or anything of that sort, go for it. I'm fine with it. I mean, I'll probably wait to see how reviews and see gameplay impressions myself before I touch the game, but I'm fine with that. If it's going to be another Avengers situation where it's you know heavily relying on, you know, trying to monetize the game then you know you can you can dismiss me with that I, I i really am at the point where i don't need any of these kind of uh monetized games that are going to push you to have to uh spend money in order to get the the full uh full joy out of the game i don't know how you feel about it but that's kind of what i took away from guardians of the galaxy um guardians like don't get me wrong uh, avengers was a swing and a miss by any means it was a massive botch of fucking, you know, megalocalypse fucking per, you know, uh, fucking, it, it was bad. It was very bad. Um, instead of being, instead of having your, you know, game model based on like Diablo or Borderlands where you're constantly getting loot, constantly upgrading, they went the more destiny route of just, hey, you'll get shit that isn't an upgrade, but you could trash it and get resources from it and the only way to actually get actually more powerful things the only way to improve your character are to do these you know raids you know these strikes these you know big events at the end game where you have to play with people and don't get me wrong that's not wrong well that's no, not wrong that's that's not bad but when you make it so that you can't do these events alone you stifle a lot of people who just want to play alone and just want to relax and don't feel like talking to four other people or whatever. And, you know, you exclude a lot of those people. And that's not cool. Uh, from what I've seen from Guardians of the Galaxy, it doesn't look like any, any sort of, you know, loot RPG experience. It just looks like a, you know, clear-cut action game where uh, you only play as Star-Lord and you command the rest of the guardians, you know, via, you know, button prompt or whatever, you know, D pad, whatever they got going on. And the combat doesn't look too bad. Um, when I was watching it, it reminded me way too much of Avengers. So I kind of just like, I had those shit colored glasses on to begin with. And I was like, Ew. but uh, I will say at the outset that it at least looks better than Avengers uh, off the bat it being a totally single player experience only gives it an advantage because at that point you can't, you know, you can't fuck with the player and, and 
and lock off certain things to them. You know, you, everything has to be working. Everything has to be whole, you know, no season. Pa- Although I, I'm sure they'll find a way to put season pass in Avengers, uh, not Avengers. They, they have it in Avengers, but in guardians. Uh, and that would be just absolute fuckery. You know, it's not like they haven't done it before, but uh, guardians don't look too shabby. Um, it's not something I'm hyped at all about. Like I saw it. I had first heard that, you know, uh, Idos Montreal was making a sequel or a game in one of their, you know, franchises. And I immediately was, I immediately was like, Oh shit, you know, this could be Deus Ex. That's fucking awesome. And it turned out to be guardian. So I was pretty much disappointed with that revelation. And I was like, Oh, but uh, like I said, I'll give it one thing. It looks better than Avengers. That's far and away at far and away gives it a much better advantage at being successful than Avengers ever was. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'm going to reserve my, you know, harsher opinions until I see what the gameplay is kind of those impressions and kind of what the, the thoughts from the community are until that happens. I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll keep it in mind, but I, but it's definitely not a game that I'm like, you know, rushing to, uh, Go check out. Also, during Square Enix, another announcement we had was they're going to be doing a Final Fantasy Pixel remaster series, which is going to be remasters of the first six Final Fantasy games in all 2D glory. And apparently, uh, these will not be coming to consoles. These will only be coming to Steam and also to mobile form platforms. So take of that what you will. They also announced a Legend a mana game, which is going to be a remastered version of the fourth game in the series. Apparently it's going to feature enhanced visuals and it will be, and this is the first time that it's going to be playable in America and it will be available on the switch PS4 and steam. We also had announcement of the black uh, Panther Marvel's Avengers expansion. If somebody out there that listens to this podcast is still playing that, then that's the news for you. Apparently, there'll be a huge expansion that will bring Black Panther in as a playable character. And apparently, they didn't release too much info on when exactly Black Panther is going to be in the game, just that an event coming up will feature him where he will be playable. They also, uh, Square Enix also announced that Hitman Sniper, The Shadows, is going to be coming out at some point. And apparently, the game is going to focus on the events following the disappearance of Agent 47 and the story of the shadows, a group of highly skilled assassins. And apparently this is going to be a, an original story within the Hitman universe. And apparently this is coming out sometime in 2021, but it is not a console game. It is a mobile only game, only be on iOS and Android. We had an announcement as well for near reincarnation. Apparently, this is going to be a uh, also a mobile game that's going to be coming on the App Store and the Google Play Store, so iOS and Android. You know, a lot of people wanted to get into this uh, this mobile uh, landscape now, especially with a lot of people, you know, being more than ever in this day and age being tied to their phones. A lot of people want to be in that. Uh, and basically, just we had a lot of uh, more fan- Final Fantasy stuff, more celebrations they were talking about. Uh, we also had a trailer for Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, which is basically an I- another iOS and Android game. I guess you can see the, the kind of the theme here. We also had a game that was developed in partnership with Platinum Games called Babylon's Fall. 
And apparently this is a game that is in development for, for PS5, PS4, and Steam. But we did not get a lot of details about it. Apparently there's a sign-up going on currently for to take part in the beta. So you can find out more about their on their website at uh, Babylon's Fall. They are also remastering Life is Strange. I feel like every other month I hear about them doing something new with this game. But I guess a lot of people love it and, you know, do with that what you will. We also uh, had another game announce, uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Now, this was the one that got under a lot of people's skin because I believe this is the game that immediately after the press conference came out with a trial version and the trial was bugged to all hell and gave people issues. And this was a game that is supposed to launch not only on the PlayStation, but also all Xbox consoles and PC in 2022. And apparently a lot of people were pissed with the trial and lack thereof not even being able to access it. Or if you did were able to access it, the thing being bugged to whole hell. And it's this uh, game uh, is supposed to be a new brand new title in the Final Fantasy series that comes from Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo. And this is from the same team behind Ninja Gaiden and uh, Nio. And apparently they were going to bring their own, you know, that kind of gameplay style into the Final Fantasy series. And people were not happy with uh, the lack of what they got to play. And basically the lack of, I, I would guess, you know, quality assurance and QC that was done to the, to the trial. Mike, did you hear anything about this? I did. I, uh, I heard that the demo was borked for like a day. And I was like, ugh. And like you know, several publications were like, yeah, the uh, demo's experiencing too much chaos, can't do it. And I was like, okay, guys, all right. But uh, thankfully, eventually, they fixed the demo. And uh, I watched, since I don't have a PS5, I can't, you know, get it. But, uh, you know, I watched a couple of people play it on YouTube. And uh, for what it's worth, it's basically just Nio if it were fi- Final Fantasy. You know, some people might like that. Some people aren't going to. Um, I know they're doing something with the first Final Fantasy story that not many people enjoy. They're kind of making it so that Garland already knows that he's chaos. Uh, they also have like uh, the Party of Light or the you know the Travelers of Light, whatever whatever the group you're playing as is supposed to be. It's almost like a reshuffling of Final Fantasy one story, and a lot of people don't like that. But you know that's what are you gonna do? As far as gameplay, <clears throat> it looks pretty solid. Like I said, it's just Nile in Final Fantasy. And uh, I love Ninja Gaiden. I love Nile. So, you know, I'm definitely willing to give this game out uh, a try. Uh, when I say it looks like Nile, you, you have to understand, it looks like they reused assets from Nile. And, and it, it, it's not looks. They did. There are certain animations that are exactly the same in Nile as it is in this, you know, uh, uh, Final Fantasy game. Uh, you know, the death animations are pretty much one-to-one the same. Crawl, uh, climbing up ladders, one-to-one same. Even a lot of the, uh, the run animations, the dodge animations, even some of, like, the attack stuff is very reminiscent of Nile. And, uh, you know, I-, I hope that this game is more than just a quick asset flip just for, you know, some quick Square Enix money. Um, gameplay mechanics themselves, combat mechanics, that is where it differs, and it actually looks pretty cool. Uh, from what you see in the demo, there are three classes that you can play as. There's your warrior, a mage, and a lancer. And all three of them have, you know, totally different, uh, unique moves from one another. 
totally different unique skill trees from one another there's also a uh a loot system in place where you know you're constantly upgrading your clothing you know upgrading your stats again it's like nile it's an action rpg in that sense so if you like nile you'll probably like this game um a lot of people were shitting on the graphics but you like people tend to not notice that when team ninja makes a game they typically opt to make the gameplay as best as they can and not focus on the graphics so much and for a lot of people that's out and out blasphemy me i'm fine with it your game doesn't need to be photorealistic 4k ultra fucking textures for me to enjoy it i think that nailing your your core gameplay is more important to creating a game than making your game as pretty as possible see cyberpunk for reference even though cyberpunk on you know base last gen consoles is fucking bork too but you know if you weren't playing it on a pc you you just weren't having a great time because everything was fucking bork but i digress um the game don't look bad um we uh you only see a little bit you, you fight like goblins and shit and other final fantasy uh enemies you know like the bomb and stuff you, there's like a cactuar running around in there and some wolves and stuff and then the end of the demo is a uh, boss fight against garland himself and there you see that it's yeah it's it's a souls like definitely uh and that's that's another thing is that people were complaining that it's souls like and that's like you guys this was we were already told that this was going to be a souls like from the get and i understand that you know a lot of people aren't into that or like a lot of people are fatigued of souls like but you have to understand that souls like games are the new uh third uh, you know over the shoulder shooter like from you know how resident evil 4 changed the fucking uh, landscape of gaming or they're the new uh third person cover based shooter much like how fucking gears of war change the landscape of gaming these trends they they go they go in gaming it's just something you have to deal with for, for a few years and they'll eventually go away you know uh, over the shoulder stuff kind of died down third person sh uh, cover shooters died down you know eventually souls likes will either only be done by from soft games or people will just move on to the next big trend in gaming that they feel are going to make you know hand over money hand over fist uh until then kind of just got to deal with it like i understand if you don't like souls likes but if you do i mean you know could be worse and again like i don't know if it's going to be as good as nile i fucking love nile i thought nile was dope I, like i i you know i spent a lot of time in the first game and i uh, didn't even start up the second one because once i found out that they were having a collection for the ps5 i was like well might as well wait for that <clears throat> But, um, you know, here's a, the game still looked very, the Final Fantasy games uh, still looked very early. Like, I know it's coming out next year, and so it gives them time to work on it and such. So here's hoping that they tighten stuff up and, you know, just maybe give it a nice gloss of texture, paint, uh, tighten up combat mechanics, whatever they need to do. You know, it's a demo, and I remember when demos weren't like you know the final representation of the game which unfortunately they mostly are these days if not you know representation of some other version of the fucking game but you know not bad if you ask me i don't know i i, I will say this because i you know as you were talking about you know kind of the 
the issue that people have with games that are souls light or games that are just difficult in general and require you to master either a combat system, a pairing system such as Sekiro, or, you know, games just in that vein where, you know, the name of the game is dying a lot, you know, re retracing your steps, learning from where you messed up the first time and kind of, you know, getting back on it and trying again. If at first you don't succeed, try and try again. That's the name of the game. And I will say, you know, a lot of people had to complain about Fallen Order because Fallen Order is, you know, in my opinion, very probably as bare as you can get Souls Light. You know, it's a good introduction for people that are not used to those games where you have to learn the combat system and you kind of have to know when to go in and attack rather than, you know, an, an, any other game, basically, where it's a brawler where you just go in and attack relentlessly like though, like Sekiro is basically what Star Wars Fallen Order would be on steroids. Like, that's a game where the whole thing you think you're supposed to just lay back and parry, and while parrying is a big deal of the game, you also have to go on the attack because you have a parrying bar, and if you don't, you know, start attacking and getting your licks in when you can, they will eventually break down your parry bar where you'll be, you know, vulnerable to an attack, and you will just get wasted because the enemies can do, you know, 10 times the damage that you can do. And I know a lot of people complain about these types of games or that oh, I wish there was a difficulty setting or I wish there was a game, way to make it easier. And it's like, that's not what these, these games are about. These games are an experience where you are rewarded for, you know, learning the game's mechanics and you're rewarded for, you know, basically keeping up with it and, you know, beating the characters no matter how you do it, but for beating them, you're rewarded. And that's the experience, the, the you know, of basically mastering the combat system, being able to overcome the hard enemies in the that they present and throw at you at, in these games that's basically you know the reward is the experience itself knowing that oh shit you know i did better than i thought i was going to do and i overcame that and you know that's the experience of these games and i liken souls likes uh, souls lights a lot to kind of what was going on in the late 90s with um with uh third person survival horror games a lot of people did not play those games because they were very turned off by the tank controls, the fixed camera angles, and just, you know, the, the puzzle solving and the retracing your steps and having to, you know, go back and forth, basically on miniature fetch quests to find item A that connects to item B to be able to unlock door C and blah, 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 how it used to go. And that was why Resident Evil, you know, unfortunately was forced, you know, to change and we got some bad games later on with it after the great resident evil 4 but they were forced to change because unfortunately things stagnated because they weren't able to bring in new fans anymore it was just basically the people that loved that type of gameplay that loved the tank controls at that time just like the people now that love that the souls type of gameplay where you're dying constantly but you're learning new things every time through the experience the people that like that gameplay are going to support the game and they're going to support the developers they love Regardless if it's just the same type of gameplay with the new, you know, code, you know, a coat of paint on it, they're going to support them. And the people that don't like it are never going to get into it, no matter what you tell them. And, you know, at some point, Souls Lights, are gonna, Souls Lights and Souls games in general, that type of format are going to have to change. But, you know, as of right now, the formula is working. There are gamers out there, hardcore gamers that love these type of games and love the challenge they present and love, you know, what comes along with these games. And you just got to. You know, people got to understand that. And if you're a person that's even, you know, mildly interested in whether you call yourself a casual gamer or you call yourself a hardcore gamer, but you never played any of these Souls types of games, whether it be Sekiro or any of the, you know, games in the actual Souls series, I, I tell everyone, you know, give it a try. You know, 
you might surprise yourself with what you're able to do in these games. But unfortunately, the the casual audience tends to give up right away because they're not getting the instant satisfaction of, you know, defeating the enemy. And, you know, there goes that game. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it's been with those games. And but I do hope I didn't get to play the back to the 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 original game we were talking about at hand. I didn't get to play the trial for uh the Final Fantasy game. I did not get to play it. Uh, but I'm hoping that whatever issues they had during the trial kind of ironed out now. And I hope that, you know, they uh, basically ironed it out. And I hope that it is a game that people can enjoy, even if it is going to do a different take on the Final Fantasy series. And to move on through this E2, E3 showcase, uh, kind of wrapping around to the beginning of what we were talking about, Xbox and Bethesda had a showcase where they showed off uh, Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, where they showed an extended gameplay trailer for that. They did not discuss uh, at the time a release date for that, so keep your eyes peeled out for that. They dropped a, a longer cinematic trailer. But remember, cinematic, not gameplay footage at the time. They dropped the cinematic trailer for Back for Blood, which is supposed to be coming out October 12th. They announced that it they will be having a new Swarm versus Survivor mode, and that it will be a Game Pass day one release. So for those of you that own, you know, an Xbox console, the Series X, the Series S, and have Game Pass, this is great value for you. You're going to be getting a, you know, a brand new game day one for, you know, the cheap entry price, you know, that Game Pass presents. And the only thing that worries me, you know, retreading my steps on that is that it's, it's a game that needs servers to run. And if Game Pass is overwhelming it, Servers are not going to be uh, looking too tight. And, you know, this is basically a spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. I know, Mike, you said you're, you know, you used to tell me about how you were a big fan of Left 4 Dead and you used to play a lot of Left 4 Dead 2 as well. You know, you can kind of tell me, uh, what did you get out of this trailer? What is there anything specifically you're looking forward to about this game or is this one of those uh, wait and sees? Um, Don't get me wrong. Uh, Back for Blood does look really cool, but uh, just the way in general I am about games, I'm definitely more of the conservative wait and see because with the way development cycles are done, you just never know what's going to happen to a game. Uh, you just never know if something's going to get fucked up. You never know if something's going to go wrong at the last second. Uh, for the most part, it looked like they had the game pretty much ready to go, ready and raring. Uh, like you said, it comes out in October, so that means the game right now is done and they just basically have to work out whatever kinks they have whatever problems you know go bug hunting for a bit see if they could just tighten the game up in general um uh like you said it, it is very much a spiritual successor to left for dead and i used to love playing left for dead left for dead was good fun you know you you're put up against the gigantic horde of zombies and you're just running around trying to survive implementing whatever tool that they give you whether it's guns explosives you know funky shit like uh you know the bottles of boomer bile that you'd throw in the zombies would fucking you know crowd over it melee weapons stuff like that and uh to its uh to its affirmant back for blood looks like more of that good time and even more like more funky shit more funky weapons uh you know i i want to say that it doesn't look like there's nothing wrong with back for blood but at the same time, 
I exercise caution because you just don't know what can happen these days. Uh, the game might come out and it might be like really mediocre. It might be really boring. It might just be like a fucking, oh, this is this is really all we have to do. This is very repetitive. It might be very repetitive, very derivative. Uh, again, as a spiritual success for, uh, successor to Left 4 Dead, it's deriving from a, a shit ton of it. So, you know, mechanics are probably going to be lifted uh, from Left 4 Dead. Uh, matter of fact, the safe rooms that you start in, that you started in at the beginning of every chapter in Left 4 Dead are in Back for Blood. So, you know, I, uh, I think you can look at it in a positive light. Just be wary, you know, be ready to pump the brakes. Just, you know, exercise caution, exercise, you know, your own beware consumer sort of thing. I'm not saying you have to condemn it straight out, but uh, let's wait for the game to come out and see what other people have to say after they've played it. As uh, Kylo Ren would say, when you uh, before the game comes out, make sure to control yourself. <laughs> yep, you, gotta, you just control yourself. Don't don't let emotions get in the way. Don't don't get too mad. Don't get too sad. Or as or, or as RoboCop would say, you know, if the game's bad, don't be afraid to drop it. Drop it. You gotta drop it. And unfortunately, this is shit that a lot of people, especially with games like Avengers. You will get dropped hard. <laughs> oh, there. Basically, any because you. The, the thing is with these games, it, and you know, I, I hate to say this, and, and it's whether it's games that are like doing that Destiny format, kind of like Avengers, or even games like, you know, like Left for Dead back in the day, or even now as we're coming up, we're coming up for Back for Blood. These games are are kind of developed in a way, and it's kind of weird because they are online experiences, you know, and they're meant to be enjoyed with friends, but they're really developed for the casual gamer to try to kind of go through them at kind of a normal pace. And the developers are not really in the mindset of like thinking about the grinders, I would guess, the, the more the community that's going to kind of like, you know, really obsess over the game and play like, play it to every last nook and cranny within the first week and a half. And that's kind of when the problem comes in is when, gamers beat whatever the content is available at launch and they do it quickly and then they realize there's no end game content and that's kind of where you start to see the the numbers kind of spiral off they go oh man i, I beat this and there's nothing else for me to do and that's kind of where the problem where avengers came in it's like oh i beat the game there's nothing for me to do but now grind for skins and people didn't like that and i'm hoping I'm assuming it'll be okay because I remember Left 4 Dead having some DLC and not having a problem with that. But I'm assuming Back for Blood, once people get through the initial batch of content, I'm assuming the game launches well and assuming technically it plays fine and the basics are there, I'm assuming it will be supported quite healthy in a quite healthy manner, I should say. But uh, besides Back for Blood, we also had another game announced called Contraband. It was a co-op open-world shooter from Avalanche Studios. It came out with a cinematic trailer. It seems like a, basically, it's basically like almost gaming like kind of Mad Max vibes in a way. It's kind of, you know, post-apocalyptic uh, wasteland and you can play co-op in it. But once again, it was one of those things that was a cinematic trailer. Didn't actually get into any gameplay footage of it. No uh, release date was given with it either. So I assume that one is still heavily in production. Nothing really on my end to say about that i don't know about mike that uh did you get to see anything for contraband or did this one slip past you 
I mean, there's really nothing to see from it. There's just that one cinematic trailer and that's it. We were told it's a co-op open world. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of over open world games. There are only certain, uh, you know, franchises that I think uh, can continue to do them very well. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, uh, like games like Yakuza, they have technically have an open world, but it's very small. It's like a city. And, and even then it's like a, it's like a piece of a city. It's like a, you know, like a five block radius, but it's densely packed. There's a lot of stuff to see. There's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, whereas, you know, you have some open worlds that are just big and empty and dull and boring. Uh, and then you have some truly masterful open world shit like Red Dead. I, I will never not sing Red Dead's praises to the heavens. Uh, you know, the same uh, for Grand Theft Auto. Even though I like certain Grand Theft Auto games more than the others, they're still pretty enjoyable experiences, you know, no matter what the uh, the deal. Uh, their online counterparts are kind of different. And this game, uh, Contraband, is going to be co-op online. So, you know, I hear co-op online and I'm thinking, you know, all right, so, you know, what's they're going to, what you're going to be able to do in this game? You know, I'm guessing it's just going to be like a third person sort of action game where you're just running around doing heists and stuff, you know, so, you know, maybe not unlike GTA online. Uh, I mean, fuck's sake, the game is called Contraband. Uh, but um, we have very little to go on Contraband. We literally just have that one pre-rendered cutscene, and that's it. So there's there's not much to go on as of right now. And, uh, like, that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a trailer. I mean, there wasn't really much to go on besides what it was described to be and what they hope it's going to be. I mean, we have no idea how the game plays, what the mechanics on it, what, what the systems are. I mean, it was just an announcement. So we'll see what happens with that. Another announcement. I mean, if you're into booty, and when I say that, if you're into if you're into pirates, <laughs> we had a announcement for a CFE's. Actually, CFE's a Pirates Life expansion. That's what it's called, and you can now uh, play as Captain Jack Sparrow, and I guess he's part of the expansion. If you know, you got bored of uh, if you got bored of doing your own pirate thing, you know, with your friends while you were playing CFE's. Now you can, you know, cosplay as, you know, some kind of story from Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't play Sea of Thieves, so this absolutely did nothing for me, and I could care less. And that was pretty much it. I folded the page on that one. Uh, we also got a, a quick look at Battlefield 2042, the multiplayer. And, I mean, we got to see some of the specialist tools. We got to see a look at the, the grappling hook and the wingsuit system, but... I'm I'm so over this, this all this first person shooter bullshit. This didn't really do anything for me. I mean, Battlefield's never even been my franchise of choice. I mean, they've had some good games, but for the most part, it's just I don't I don't know. As we get into this new console generation, I I, I want to see more uh more I guess I want to say creativity come out of these new consoles. I'm tired of relying on these old uh, one trick ponies of grinding multiplayer first person shooter games to get cool skins on your guns. I I don't know I. This this didn't do shit for me. I, I know, Mike, you're more into first-person shooters to me than me, but Battlefield 2042, I, uh, there was nothing for me here. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, it's Battlefield. 
you already know what comes with Battlefield. It's, it's you know, grandiose maps, wide open maps where, you know, 64 people are, I think they said like 128 people are going to be able to play now on a single map. So you're just going to have chaos, fucking planes, tanks, guns, bombs, just going off. It's, it's, it's battlefield. We already know what to expect. Like at this point, there is nothing, nothing that dice or Activision and their numerous developers that, you know, rotate on the yearly basis to crank out a call of duty nothing they can do that really you know really spices up their respective franchise i think the one the one game to come close to doing that was call of duty infinite warfare and hear me out it's only because they made it so far in the future that you know space fucking wars were a thing and that you got to be the commander of your own squadron of fighters I thought that was dope. There was even kind of like side quests that you could do like a, you know, like a, a, a fucking board of villains that you could knock off the list and, you know, take each one out, you know, like uh, I, I forgot it had to do with like playing cards. There were like aces and, you know, you know, numbered cards that you had to deal with. And that was unique. I felt that was unique, even though it's really not, there've been other games, you know, most definitely like, like all star Wars rogue squadron games, any fighter pilot game, you know, like ace combat, but uh, for what it was worth, what call of duty is typically about. I found infinite warfare to be your know, nice, a nice little, nice little gold nugget in the normal repetition of go here, shoot, go here, shoot, go here, shoot. At least with infinite warfare, it was get into space, do a big, do a big dog fight, go, you know, explosions attack the main enemy cruiser you know board the cruiser take out the dude and then you eject and you get out in your own plane and i thought that was a little bit dynamic um i know this game this new battlefield isn't really going to do that i i mean battlefield battlefield campaigns to me are even more generic than call of duty ones that is excluding the bad company games. The bad company games were fantastic. They were funny as shit. It was great. But um, yeah, there's not much to say anymore when it comes to Call of Duty or Battlefield. We're at this point, we're just getting rehashed ideas. Um, I think the next, I, I think the next Call of Duty is supposed to be like another World War II game. And it's like, at what point are we going to do something different? Uh which in itself is a loaded question because there's nothing really different to do at this point. You would just have to, you would, you would have to completely shift the core gameplay mechanics of your game. If you wanted to make anything new or, or maybe just, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, The idea of like an open world call of duty game that, that sounds, it sounds like far cry is what it sounds like, but I don't know, man. There's only so much you can do to keep these franchises pumping. Uh, they still make money hand over foot, which is incredible that a majority of people aren't tired of these games yet because they just want to, they just want to point and shoot. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, sometimes the quality of these games suffer a little bit like uh, the current black ops that's on PS4. It uh, definitely is not optimized. Well, for uh, the PS4, it's definitely optimized for next-gen shit and PC. Um, this Battlefield, we saw a little bit of gameplay, and it just looks like normal Battlefield. 
with the exception that there's like rip roaring tornadoes fucking around, you know, the hurricane will come around and flatten the city. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure like there'll be fucking meteors flying in from wherever it uh, like they tried to make it futuristic. Like it's 2047. So there's, there's going to be some futuristic shit, but like this isn't stuff we haven't seen before. And you know, the, like you said, battlefield isn't your cup of tea. I'm right there with you. Battlefield is not my thing. I was always much more in tune with uh, Call of Duty. I enjoyed the more arcadey play style of Call of Duty. You know, a ton of people get on their fucking high horses. Well, but Battlefield is where the actual simulation is. I, I don't want a fucking simulation. I, I like I, I want to shoot things and I want them to go boom, entertained. You know, simulation's fine and stuff, but it has to be cut with a level of fun so that you're not like bored out of your mind or that your eyes don't bleed from staring at the screen too long. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I, I feel like a lot of battlefields are samey. They, they had a good thing going with battlefield one when they threw it back to world war one, but it was like an alternate universe world war one, even though it didn't really look at, uh, battlefield five came and went very quietly. I just remember the controversy of the, of the shit the developer said more than the actual game. And that's not good. But beyond that, you know, it, it just looks like you have just another run of the mill shooter. One that'll undoubtedly make money because people who enjoy the franchise are going to enjoy the franchise and good for them. Me. I, I, that's a pass for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. That's not, a game that I would pick up, you know, it's not a game, whether it be first day on release or whether it be later on in the, in the year, that's not a game we're going to pick up. That's on, like I said, I'm looking for creativity. I'm looking for new ideas or fresh takes on current franchises. And this wasn't it. So this will probably be a skip for me. Also in square Enix, they announced a, a new puzzle game. That's going to be coming to Xbox game pass on August 19th, 2021. And that was a game called 12 minutes which looks like a, tw- a time-looping puzzle game of kind of playing around with time elements, rewinding time, fast-forwarding. So if you're into puzzle games, you can look forward to that. We also had a new Psychonauts 2 footage. They showed off a cinematic trailer, and the game has a release date of August 25th. We also were told that Fallout 76, the good old dreaded Fallout 76, is getting a big Brotherhood of Steel uh, expansion called Steel Rain on July 7th. Uh, Welcome to the Pit was also something that they announced as the new upcoming uh, Fallout 76 expedition. Uh, Whatever the hell that means. Apparently, people are saying that they're going to add a new map to explore that's going to be alongside the the game's main map of Appalachia. So do with that what you will if you're still one of those few people that play Fallout 76. More power to you. Uh, another puzzle game was announced coming out for 2022, an Xbox Game Pass, which was called uh, Somerville, which is supposed to be kind of a, like an isometric type of puzzle game. That was announced. Uh, the real meat and potatoes of this was the uh, new Halo Infinite story trailer that, you know, it said it without saying it, but basically Cortana's back. And they also confirmed that... Uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer is going to be free to play, which I'm really interested in seeing how that works out. They showed off some of the weapons and the armor uh, customization options. And 
for all of you that were wondering if or not, but you should have expected this because, you know, Xbox is trying to push the Game Pass agenda. It will be a day one release on Xbox Game Pass. So I, you know, only saw snippets and bits and pieces of the trailer. I didn't watch the full thing, but I got enough the gist of it that basically Cortana's back after, you know, in the prior Halo games, you know, she, you know, we had that whole game, I believe, was it four where she, she, she had issues and you had to, you know, get rid of her mainframe at one point or something to that effect. It's been a while since I played four, but yeah. I, I feel it was, it, it was four. Okay. So now apparently in this one, she's back, but I'm not kind of sure because of limited footage that they showed of kind of where this takes place in the Halo timeline or if this is kind of like not a soft reboot, but kind of like taking place at a different time in the timeline because this doesn't really pick up for the most part where Halo 5 left off. So I'm kind of confused of where they're going with this. Maybe you know better than me. Um, oh God. It's supposed to be a true sequel to Halo 3. Instead, like they're, they're cutting off uh, Halos 4 and 5 and they're just straight going from Halo 3. Um, I, I do not know a, a ton of about where the story is going. Like, I just know that it's, you know, they're starting fresh from Halo 3's ending point, and that's where they're taking off from there. Uh, You're going to show my boy the Arbiter? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I hope. Shit. I, I mean, he would be around, and, you know, maybe, maybe that's a thing. Because uh, I thought it was interesting how they re- like they they made Master Chief. They brought him back to the Halo Three suit. I thought it was cool that uh, it's like oh they really are going from Halo Three. Shit. Oh fuck. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm very in. I'm very in the dark on how this story is going to go. I don't know if they're going to continue the whole ah oh, fuck the Halos are still active and they're still trying to kill all life in the galaxy or if, you know if it's going to focus on something a little bit tighter like oh hey the covenant's trying to uh, you know reestablish power or you know a whole new sect of prophets have come forward and they're trying to retake control of the covenant or something else entirely <clears throat> uh shit <laughs> i just don't know <laughs> i don't I'm as in dark as in the dark as you. I have no idea. I all other than knowing that it's a Halo game and it has Master Chief and Cortana in it, I have no idea where they're going with it. But I'm very interested to see how this whole free-to-play multiplayer model for Halo is going to work out. I don't I, I really don't know. Like, I mean, I know Halo has always been a popular multiplayer game, especially back in the days of Halo 2 and especially 3, since it was one of the the first big multiplayer games to be on the Xbox 360. But I really don't know how this whole free-to-play model is going to play out. I mean, are they going to do their own standalone version of the app? Or do you download the Halo, you know, the Halo Infinite app and you just have access only to the multiplayer? Like, how is that going to work? And I mean, when you say it's free-to-play... Is it free to play for everyone? So basically, if you don't have Game Pass, you can just log on, hop on it. But Or if you access, let's say, you, you can download it on your PC and play it. Is it going to be like cross-play? Like I, like, I have a lot of questions about this whole free-to-play model now with this multiplayer. If I had to take a stab at it, 
I would probably say that they're going to do something like Call of Duty did with Warzone, where they have their main game, and then in a totally separate app, it'll be the multiplayer. So you'll probably have, you know, your your mainline Halo experience in your main game app, and then there'll be a totally separate app that'll be for the multiplayer. Uh, I'm guessing if you have the main game, if you purchase the main game, you don't have to buy the separate, or, or you don't have to get the free multiplayer app. It'll already be baked in. But uh, like I said, for my guess, there'll probably be a separate app for multiplayer as a whole. I just want to let you know, Halo fans, uh, whenever Halo Infinite comes out, which shouldn't be that far away, uh, we're just, you know, we're, it's almost in the near future where you once again, too, will be able to get hit by a nade, get killed, and get teabagged by a guy in Hayabusa uh, Master Chief armor. So that should be fun. You know, miss those old days. So good. So good. <laughs> I'm just getting smacked by dudes in Hayabusa armor and be like, how do I get that armor? Well, you got, you see, you got to beat the game on legendary and then you got to get all the friggin' mythic uh, skulls. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. Like, it's like my, my KD may be trash, but I need the flex that I have this armor. That's the, <laughs> flex. I need the armor flex. Yeah. I need the recon helmet. And then I need the flaming recon helmet. You could only get like, if you were a developer or if you came in contact with the developer. I mean, I was I, I'm a I'm a very simple man with very simple tastes. I like playing local multiplayer. I like screen looking and camping out with an energy sword. Fight me. <laughs> I like playing locally. I like screen watching, and I like smacking when you're not looking. And then you're like, "Hey, man!" <laughs> I, I I like going on my you know my ten kill streak, flexing on people. Not the whole time I'm I'm checking their screen. It's like I love that rule. It's like. Don't look at my screen, bro. It's like we're there's four squares sharing the same screen. How can I not look at your screen? Like even if I get cross-eyed at one point, I'm gonna see your screen. It's like just bro, we all we're all like it's like you're all guilty of it. I know you looked at my screen too. Like stop the bullshit. Like whoever dies dies. Just let it be what it's gonna be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you have to do you know the one eyeball sneak and you know see what your boy's doing and then be like, okay, let me go over there in that general direction. Yeah, like my my favorite thing was immediately if I. I think it was uh, Halo 2. If I started in the middle of Zanzibar and I was able to get the energy sword first, I was just camping there and I called it the haunted house because if you came in, you were going to die. Yep. yep. <laughs> and that was that was my map, Zanzibar with the energy sword, just hiding in the middle of the map inside that one hut. But uh, And that's a big thing I miss when it comes to like first-person shooter games is all the power weapons be scattered around the map this way like you know it was it was every man for himself like you know you just couldn't bring a fucking rpg like you can with call of duty and just ultimately blast someone out of the fucking window you had to actually go find the rocket launcher and do the do the dirty work you know what i mean yeah like it, it basically let's say you all because the thing was you all for the most part except for maybe the energy sword on Zanzibar with that map I gave as an example if you start on that side of it but for the most part you all started equal distance from the power weapon so like the sniper rifle will be in one corner the rocket launcher be in one corner the energy sword would be on one corner you also had a, probably a tank parked in the middle or ghost or whatever it was and everybody kind of started off equal distance from all these things when you spawn but the risk was, do I go out there, try to get one of those weapons right away, 
And then not only do I try to get one of them right away and take the risk of, you know, leaving myself exposed because most of the time these weapons were left out in plain sight in some kind of arch laid up place where people who also had been playing the game for a while knew where these weapons were going to spawn every time. So either they'd be camped out waiting for you to get there, somebody already beat you to the punch, or somebody who decided to go get the sniper rifle was watching across the map camping those spawns to see if anybody went to those areas and they would immediately kill you. And then you were screwed at that point. Or do you play it safe? Just go with your basic loadout, pick up what you can, hope you kill one of the guys carrying these things and kind of amass wealth throughout the game. It was, it was a real chess match, man, a real chess match. And I kind of miss those days. I do too. I do too. It was a real, like, you know, maybe I push my luck and try to challenge the dude with the sword. Maybe I can get his shields down and knock him before he knocks me. Stick him with a, one of the plasma grenades. Do do anything, you know. It's... Or if the guy with the sword has, you know, a, you know, a good kill streak going on, and you know, you and a friend are both in the second and third tier position, you kind of come to an agreement. All right, he can't get us both. May the best man, gotta... may the best man get the sword. You got to make a decision, man. It's coming down to this. It's like, yeah, you may get the sword. I'll weaken his shields. You shoot him. Whoever gets the sword gets the sword. But at least we got the sword out of his hand. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And Teamwork. Yep, it's basically. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see how this goes. And that's probably, I do have the Series X as well, you know. And so I'm hoping that this comes out, you know, great. Because that is one of the reasons I'm still holding up the Series X. If not, you know, I would have... Uh, collected on that sweet capitalism a while ago but um <laughs> we also got our first glimpse of a cinematic trailer for the diablo 2 resurrected so the diablo 2 remaster it's going to uh have new visuals and also be in 4k 60 it has a september 23rd release date of 2021 that's what i'm looking for out for as well i mean i did play diablo 3 i mean as recently me and you played through the entire uh i would say story for that and yeah. we played through that and you know it's a fun game it's not a game like you know like big diablo fans that i would keep returning to and specking out new characters but as a game that i could play turn on and off with friends you know from here and there and play through the campaign once i i, I definitely played through diablo 2 again i haven't played it since you know back in the day on the pc but i definitely played through it again now that's one i'm definitely going to be uh checking out they announced also uh a new snowboarding game called Shredders that's coming to the, uh, the Series X and the S as a console exclusive in December 2021. We had more news about a Plague Tale Requiem. The, uh, it's the, the second survival horror game made by the studio Asobo, Asobo Studio, I should say. And if you're into that, that's coming out, you know, soon. Probably early 2022 is what they're hinting at. And then we also got uh, more info about Far Cry 6. And this is the one that kind of uh, punched people in the nuts. It was announced that it's going to be a console launch exclusive, whatever the hell that means. Showed off another gameplay trailer and also uh, hints that the villain, Giancarlo Esposito, who is the, the actor portraying the villain for this game, is going to also be a hero, however that works. They said the logic, he's not going to be your traditional villain, will have aspects of a hero to him, whatever that means as far as when we get to the game. The one thing that caught my eyes when they showed a uh, little uh, artwork and, you know, little gameplay things, the dogs, man, the dogs, everything about the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> 
just there's like a little wiener dog in there and he's got like a whole bunch of stuff on him and he's just running around trying to get some also the chicken there's there's also a chicken that like he's got like a fucking nose piercing for some reason he's got a whole bunch of piercings and he's wearing shoes and, and i don't know what to do with that sort of fucking information uh you know it, it looks like a normal far cry and i have nothing against that but uh you got the dog, you got the wiener dog mechanic buddy, and then you got the enemy, uh, not enemy, but you got like allied combat rooster who, go who goes in and fucking, you know, claws out your jugular, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, like it, it looks cool to me. I mean, in all Far Cry games, you've been able to kind of, even if you weren't directly controlling them, you've been able to kind of manipulate animals to your will, whether you threw something in their direction to make them kill enemies, or you unleashed uh, you know, a bear from a cage to take out drug dealers. Like, you've always been able to, you know, kind of put nature to your advantage, you know, for lack of better words, in all these Far Cry games. And it looks like not only are you going to be able to put nature to your advantage in this game, because this, I think this game is going to be, they said, the first in the Far Cry series that's not going to feature a forest. It's going to be an urban environment. So, you know, so you're not going to have the forest, I guess, nature in this, but you will be able to have animals help you. And I guess for lack of a better word, you're going to have animals be your mercenaries, which I think is hilarious. But a whole bunch of urban urban animals just going to have a pack of rats following you and shit. Yeah, it's, like, it's like if, you know... You, you wanted to go gangbang and it's like, you know, somebody thinks you're going to do a drive-by and they see you roll down the window, but, we'll leave, but really it's your chihuahua with a Glock. And it's like, <laughs> nobody's expecting that. I mean, that's the hardest flex ever. Imagine popping the trunk open and you got a wiener dog that comes out with two Uzis. It's the biggest flex ever. Like, nobody would expect it's it. Or It's amazing. Just holding a fucking launcher in his mouth for like a missile launcher just aimed at you. Yeah, you think it's a chew toy, but really it lets off acid. Come on. It's like that'd be amazing, but um, you know, I'm funky sure there's gonna stuff. be. Go ahead. I said it's funky stuff. Yeah, it is. It's completely out there stuff. But you know, if, if there's anything I learned about the Far Cry series, they take really weird concepts and they're able to make it work. I mean, for God's sake, these were games that at one point you were drugged and on LSDs, and they made it work for a level format. So that's true. Yeah. So you know, I'm completely interested in that. They also announced something that. It's not part of the main Far Cry 6 game itself, but kind of like a DLC attachment where you're going to kind of play the origin stories of some of the famous villains throughout the series. So you get to play as Voss, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. It, um, it, but the thing is, like, it's not only is it Voss, it's, uh, I forgot the dude's name from 4. Um, uh, it's going to be in my mind all day. But anyway, he's in there too. And, and then, uh, you know, Giancarlo Esposito's character from six and like, you're going to be doing stuff like they didn't make it extraordinarily clear, but, uh, I mean, any reason for Voss to come back, I'm okay with, I don't know about you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Voss is one of the best villains they've ever introduced in the Far Cry series. If not the best villain, it's a shame that he was not the main villain for that game. Spoilers. Shut the fuck up. If you haven't played it by yet, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks interesting. I mean, I'm totally intrigued to see where it goes, and especially 
uh, depending on where I'm at when the game comes out, it definitely might be a game I'll pick up and play, you know, because even though it does, Far Cry does have a lot of open world aspects to it, it's as open, it's one of those games that's as open as you want it to be. It's not one of those games that you have to partake in all the extra content if you don't want to. If you want to play through story, play through story. If you want to go and liberate every base, you can do that as well. It's kind of, it's very open to the, the player's interpretation of how they want to play the game. It's up to you. But uh, besides that, we also had a, a cinematic trailer drop for a game called Atomic Heart, which is going to be another launch exclusive and be available on Xbox uh, Game Pass day one. Apparently it's going to be a 2D game that lets you go through an apocalyptic landscape. Uh, Obsidian Entertainment announced a new Shroom and Doom update for the Grounded that basically that will help you, that will be at a sitting a new uh, Broodmother Spider Boss. So if you play... Uh, grounded you can look forward to that new content update among us announced that uh it will be coming to not only xbox but it'll be coming with a uh with a new update as well that I, i'm assuming that's going to take place on mobile probably first and they kind of iron out the pet where they'll have 15 player lobbies available june 15 so if you're into among us you know triple the madness now uh we also had a, an announcement for a, a kind of a new RPG called Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes that is from the developers of Suicoden and Suicoden 2. Uh, Suicoden was one of my favorite RPGs back on the original PlayStation. I never got to play the sequel, but uh, I did not really get like really read much into uh, Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes, but uh, I don't really probably have to worry about it for now or anyone else for that matter, because unfortunately they announced the game has been delayed till 2023. So it's way off in the distance. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) They did show some footage of it, but I guess maybe either pandemic issues or economic issues, but the game is uh, basically it's still in early development and they're not going to be ready to release it until 2023 at some point. No timeframe for 2023, just 2023. Uh, Age of Empire 4 was also announced for an October 28th release on Xbox Game Pass Day 1. The Outer Worlds 2 was announced for the Xbox Series X and S, and it'll probably be on Game Pass Day 1 as well. Microsoft Flight Simulator also dropped off dropped a new trailer for its uh, impending arrival in the Xbox Series X and S coming July 27th. And they announced they will do, be doing a Top Gun expansion, uh, Top Gun themed expansion coming later in December. Forza Horizon 5, for all you race fans out there, uh, showed off a trailer. And I believe it took place in Mexico from the brief uh, pieces I saw of it. I'm not really big into uh, very simulation-style racing games, so this kind of wasn't much for me. But if you are into it, they said that it's going to have a more kind of a party-friendly uh, multiplayer features. And the game's coming out November uh, 7th. Uh, Arcane Studios in Austin announced that they were working on a game that is going to be a vampire hunting shooter called Redfall that'll be coming out sometime in the summer of 2022. And apparently it looks like you're going to be able to not only use uh, wooden stakes and guns to defeat your foes, but also you'll be able to uh, take part in the use of magic to defeat your foes. So maybe something to look forward to if you're more in the, to those fantasy type of games. So that was pretty much it for Microsoft. Really a lot of the stuff behind the Game Pass. Not really much stuff to show, but a lot of talking about what's going to come in the uh, immediate future as far as smaller indie titles coming to the Game Pass platform and uh, 
bigger games that should be dating e- debuting either in the holiday season or sometime early in 2022. From there, we had a Gearbox presentation, which I'm going to be honest, did nothing for me. <laughs> they really talked a lot about the upcoming Borderlands movie, which whatever. I mean, that's not a movie I'm looking forward to seeing either. I'm not even into the Borderlands series all that much. They also talked about a uh, a tiny Tina game that was in development where, you know, she's the main character. I mean, I know you've played uh, more Borderlands than me. I know you have some love for the series. Is there anything here between the movie presentation, the tiny Tina spinoff, anything there that caught your eye or that you relatively gave a shit about? I'm going to be honest. No. Um, I can give a fuck less about the movie. Uh, anything like a movie just seems goofy to me. Like the concept and idea of it is just fucking weird. Um, the tiny Tina shit I view as more of a spinoff to whatever. I don't know if it's going to be Borderlands. Uh, it's got to be Borderlands three, but um, <clears throat> I enjoy Borderlands. But like they're they're always a game that I can never focus on and beat. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I like. I feel like I'm always running around and doing the same shit in Borderlands a lot, even if it's just doing side quests or whatever. Uh, they're fun games, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. It's just, I don't know, I get hung up on them, and I, I end up not wanting to play them. It's, it's, it's one of those cases where I look over to the game, and I'm like, it's me, not you. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Like, the Gearbox presentation was awful. They they tried to do something the way uh, Devolver Digital did, where they they had you know an obvious uh, satire on the state of the fucking gaming industry. But considering it's Gearbox and Randy Pitchford is the fucking obnoxious cunt that he is, it, it's the tongue in cheek that's supposed to be there is is more of hey fellow children, look I'm cool I'm hip I I can criticize the same shit that you know other people and, and companies criticize, and it's like but Randy. You're an asshole, buddy. Like you've you've abs- you've royally fucked certain games in order so so Borderlands could exist. It's you know you're the reason why Aliens Colonial Marines got fucked up the way it did, <laughs> and it's something I'll never fucking forgive you for either. It's like don't get me wrong, more people wanted Borderlands too, but you had you had the you had the Aliens faithful who you know. We hinged on fucking Colonial Marines. We had faith in it. We we thought it was going to be amazing. And uh, don't get me wrong, I liked Aliens Colonial Marines, but that game was not good. And we all know that. Uh, hopefully, that is ameliorated by the upcoming Aliens Fire Team, because uh, that game looks at the very least decent to good. Um, you know, I, I showed you the trailer from a couple days ago. And it looks like they have improved their visuals twofold. So that's that's a good thing in my book. Uh, we've seen like very little, not very little, but we've seen like a small amount of gameplay. So what we know what's going on in Alien uh, Fire Team. Uh, that that's what I'm hoping is good because uh, you know old Randy, old Randy fucked up Colonial Marines for us and. Uh, He's keeping his Borderlands babies alive 
which, you know, can't blame them. They make money for them and shit. So the gearbox presentation was whatever. I kind of just glossy eyed my way through it and whatever fucking E3 is. It's not the place to fucking show off a mo- like movie shit, especially when you're not even showing off the movie. You're just going up to Kevin Hart and fucking having yucks with him. Hey, Kevin, why don't you tell people about your fucking role in, in Borderlands movie? It's like, hey, I'm Roland, and I'm going to be doing Roland things. Thanks a lot, Kev. See you later. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, think, uh, I mean, E3 is supposed to be, a, 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 you know, a place where you show off games and show off, you know, technological advancements and things that are gaming related you don't you don't come there trying to flex with you know a movie trailer or or even talking about updates for an upcoming video game uh a video game adaptation for film it's like you know the history with these movies it's like no nobody in the slightest would be excited doesn't matter who's behind the movie or whatever it's like whenever a game a movie is announced that's going to be based off a video game you can basically say that, you know, take it with a grain of salt as far as the hype and what they promise you, because most likely the reasons you fell in love with that franchise are not going to be the things that make it to the screen. So take with that what you will. But uh, besides that Borderlands, uh, that Borderlands announcement, uh, Godfall, if you if any of you out there actually purchased Godfall. Uh, announced its new Fire and Darkness expansion that's going to release on August 10th. Apparently, it's going to have new quest content, new weapons, and, you know, new loot items. And then Gearbox also announced that it was going to bring Godfall to PS4 because, you know, I guess developers are now realizing how hard it is for people to get PS5s. And, you know, they're just like, hey, we're just going to start porting these games back over to PS4, which to me, you know, if you've made a game for the PS5, just keep it on the PS5. Give people the incentive to want to get a new console. Don't just keep releasing things on the older consoles because that's how you get people to not adopt. And it's going to take longer for everyone to catch up, especially if you're just telling people, yeah, we have all these great games on PS5, but you can also play them on PS4. And I get maybe doing that right now because of how hard it is to get a newer console is more consumer friendly but in the end it's detrimental because if you honestly as a business want people to adopt your new hardware you got to give them a reason to go to the new hardware and you know a lot of people out there they're not into the technical aspect of these consoles they don't care as long as they could run the game and if you tell them a game runs on ps4 but it's also but it runs slightly better on PS5. I'll tell you this much. They're gonna just get it on PS5. It doesn't matter what nooks and crannies or visual fidelity the PS5 is gonna have, they're just gonna get it on PS4 because that's already what they have in their house and just ease of access and cheaper barrier to entry. So if it's me and I'm these studios going forward and you made a game initially that was uh regardless of not if it can run on the old hardware, if you created a game that was meant for the new hardware to take advantage of the new hardware, keep it on the new hardware, give people a reason to, you know, adopt the new hardware, you know, and mini rant on my part. But I, I think that's how I would go with that. But besides Godfall, they also announced uh, that there's a game called Homeworld 3 that's still in production. There was no trailer. There was no images of the game, so take with that what you will. But from uh, Gearbox's uh, lack of uh, games they showed off, we're going to move on to Ubisoft. Good old Ube showing off uh, some of their stuff. They announced a new Rainbow Six game. 
or actually, let me say, it's probably actually an expansion, not a new game. Uh, Extraction, which is looks like kind of like a horror take with new operators and basically, you know, kind of kind of cute timing because, you know, as as we're talking about this not too long ago, Army of the Dead came out on Netflix and a lot of people got vibes from that. And uh, basically you'll, you can get a you can get new uh, operators will be available in the update and new weapons and things of that sort. But in order to get to the operators, you got to extract them because they're held captive, you know, in their current surroundings. You know, you know how we do with this Rainbow Six stuff already. They also announced a Rocksmith, if you still play that and still have your guitar laying around somewhere. They announced a Rocksmith Plus subscription service that is in partnership with Gibson Guitars. And it's supposed to use your smartphone as a microphone. So you can use an electric or acoustic guitar without any additional equipment to play the games. And at that point, if you're using a real guitar, just just learn to play the music yourself. I don't, I don't know why you would subscribe to something just to play covers when you could probably just find the music sheet online and play the cover yourself without paying a dime if you already own the guitar. They also announced uh, Riders Republic, which is an extreme outdoor game. Basically, they just showed guys on mountain bikes and wingsuits flying and snowboardings. You know, basically, instead of them on tracks, it was them, you know, doing stuff in the open world. And that was that. We also see we saw uh, footage of the new Assassin's Creed Valhalla expansion, the Siege of Paris. Apparently, it's going to have new settings, weapons, equipment, and apparently other stuff that's going to make the enrich the Valhalla experience if you're into Assassin's Creed. Uh, other than that, you know, that was pretty much, I mean, there wasn't much, I mean, there was a gorilla, there was a gorilla collective showcase, but I don't, I mean, nothing there was really caught my interest enough that I wrote it down in the notes. Um, I'm trying to think as far as, uh, E3, I think that was pretty much it for me. I mean, the only other thing I have here is that they did um announce and there was another uh this was from saber interactive they announced an enhanced edition for the next gen consoles of um world war z which is world war z aftermath which is supposed to you know have every all the dlc and all the stuff from the original world war z release plus uh some new stuff and also 4k 60 enhancements for the consoles if you're into that uh, Mike, I see that uh, you probably have an, uh, something to say about this. What do you think about this World War Z Enhanced Edition or any of the other stuff I listed off? Like it's not a bad game, World War Z. Um, again, it was another game that tried to be Left for Dead, but uh, I don't know. Th- there was something missing with World War Z. I don't know if it, because it wasn't as mechanically tight, yeah, or if comedy was missing, fun. Yes, yeah. Honestly, I, yeah. Like a lot of the fucking situations were just really, really boring. Uh, it, it's it's kind of it's fun to see the zombies fucking crawl all over each other and them try to make you know like a meat mountain to get to your ass, but like there wasn't really any intensity. Like they're, you know, like Left for Dead used to put the fear of God into me when a fucking horde would come around, and I would be like, "Oh God!" And I'd steal myself, and I'd, you know, just start pumping rounds into fucking zombos. But uh, uh, World War Z, I didn't really get that because there's not 
really much in the way of hordes. You you have set pieces where hordes are, but I feel like the game doesn't do a very good job of you know letting you feel the tensity, letting you know that there's consequences if you fuck up. It, it's just mostly a sort of hey, shoot at these things until they fall down, and then we'll move on to the next section. I mean, it's cool that they're adding in all the DLC and you know obviously better performance options on next gen but uh it's probably not gonna hook me uh unless it's free you know like it's something if if you're bored and you want to download it and you want to fuck around it's i'm I'm sure you know you could rope me in that way but if i have to pay like 40 dollars all over again i'm probably just gonna exercise a different option when it comes to world war z (laughs) Yeah, I, I would probably exercise uh, an option that includes uh, fun in it. But um, speaking of uh, games coming out with enhanced editions, as we're recording this, it's June 28th. Tomorrow, June 29th, which is a Tuesday, the Doom Eternal enhanced update comes out for the Xbox Series X, S, and the PlayStation 5, bringing to all those consoles three new visual modes, to those consoles so if you haven't played that game or if you have played that game and you want a reason to get back into it so we're coming to the xbox series x we'll have uh i'll list off the modes here for each console coming to the xbox series x you have performance mode at 1800p and 120 fps you will have a balance mode at 2160 at 60 fps and you will have a ray tracing mode at 1800p at 60 fps on the series S, you will have performance mode at 1080p at 120 FPS, balance mode at 1440p at 60 FPS. But, and to correct myself earlier, on the Xbox Series S, there is a caveat. You will you cannot get ray tracing mode. There is no ray tracing mode available for the Xbox Series S. It is on the Series X, but that third mode is not available on the Series S. On the PlayStation 5, you can get performance mode at 1584p. Weird. At 120 FPS, you can do balance mode at 2160 at 60 FPS and ray tracing mode at 1800p at 60 FPS. Now, the only yeah, that is weird. And the only difference between the PlayStation 5 and the Series X is that is the small uh, visual is the small visual gap between the 1584p on the performance mode on the PlayStation 5 and the 1800p on the performance mode of the Xbox Series X. But that update will be available tomorrow to download and is free of charge if you already own the game, whether you own it digitally or you own it physically, you either pop the disc in and download the update or you head to the store if you own it digitally and you just download the update. It's available free. The only caveat to this is if you own a PS5 uh digital edition and you have the game on disc you're screwed you're shit out of luck at that point uh mike what do you think about this uh little enhance update that uh doom eternal's dropping tomorrow i'm all for it you know i love doom eternal you know i'm constantly playing it you know i'm constantly doing those weekly challenges i'm here for it i'm certainly going to play it when i get my ps5 uh moreover than those performance modes because even on a ps4 pro doom eternal runs at 1440-60 like it's it looks fantastic on a pro so it's you know by that logic you think it's going to be phenomenal on a on a next gen console but what i really want to know is how are they going to integrate the dual sense 
into the like like what kind of cool shit is the dual sense going to do like what sort of haptics are you going to feel like what sort of trigger resistances are you going to get from the adaptive triggers like i'm i'm all here for that and it's still again a very exciting piece of me wanting to get a ps5 is just getting that dual sense and seeing what that does across different uh, different games but uh like i said i'm here for anything doom eternal has for me all i'm gonna say is this and it I mean, as you uh, as you not having the PS5 yet and me having one just from personal experience, the haptic feedback on the controller, while it is good for certain games, it ain't the flex you think it is because that does kill the battery quicker. So I tend to turn it off a lot for certain games that don't implement it well, such as mm, NBA 2K, which every time they thought it would be a good idea to make my controller uh, vibrate uh, violently, just because I'm deciding to closely guard another player with my defenders. So to let them know that we're actually, you know, rubbing skin against each other will make your controller grind to no end. That wasn't fun. But, uh, you know, besides uh, Doom Eternal, um, we're going to get into more news now that is kind of not E3 related because this was news that either came out before E3 or after E3, but wasn't part of the actual conf- E3 conference itself. So uh, going back to the Summer Games Fest, which uh, was a festival of showing up some games that took place before E3, we had a nice, good, not only gameplay, but also cinematic trailer. It was kind of a fusion between the two of the Evil Dead game, which is a game that I am personally excited for. It seems to be a co-op horde, uh, kind of like a horde shooter game where you play as Ash or any of uh, his friends from either the Ash versus Evil Dead series or other main characters from the Evil Dead films, and you take on the the Deadites and anything else the Necronomicon summons. And if you are so inclined, you can also play as the uh, Deadites. You can also play as Evil Ash. And uh, basically, the gameplay revolves around uh, trying to uh, get certain artifacts and Necronomicon pages to kind of... Uh, shut down the the evil dead and send them back to hell or you know try to take over and shut down ash and his friends and the gameplay looks way better than it has any right to the game is uh being developed if i'm correct by saber interactive the game looks great i mean way better than i thought it would supposed to be launching on all platforms apparently sometime this year in 2021 and it looks very fun it looks to kind of take the best ideas in a certain way kind of like dead by daylight but with the actual option that you can now fight back with any of the characters and they a lot of the characters have their own finishing moves and different things added to them the enemies have their own finishing moves as well and apparently you have the option to play pve co-op or pvp which is interesting so this is a game i'm looking forward to because we have not had a uh Evil Dead licensed game since probably the original Xbox. We didn't get nothing on the 360 or the PS3. And kind of with the resurgence and Evil Dead with a new film coming out, the Ash versus Evil Dead series that wrapped about, I want to say about almost three years ago now, you know, there's a lot going for the Evil Dead series. And I think this is the perfect time and the perfect kind of a, you know, landscape to drop this in. Uh, Mike, if you saw this trailer, what'd you think about it? I uh, I thought it was fantastic. Like, I'm glad that it's not like a typical uh, what do they call isometric? Uh, not isometric. Like Dead by Daylight, where one person controls the killer, and you know you gotta survive. I'm glad that everyone can be 
you know, a hero and just take it to the fucking deadites. You know, I really don't feel the need to, uh, as Ash in the trailer says, be a dick and be the dark forces. Uh, I'm more than happy to just take up a fucking character and start swinging blades at deadites. I think it looks, I think it looks really good. I'm hoping that it, it, uh, it is really good. I'm hoping that, um, you know, they, they put in a wide variety of content. You know, hopefully it's not just one of those things like Friday the 13th where it's like two different maps and you're just walking around and hopefully like, I'll take like, you know, five maps of like fun shit and, and, you know, the evil dead franchise certainly has a whole bunch of places you can do uh, that you can go to, whether it be from the movies or Ash versus evil dead, uh, especially Ash versus evil dead. Since, you know, they had like three seasons of Ash going to whole different places and whatnot, but um, it's a yes for me. Like, uh, I, I don't know if it's a day one sort of thing. Cause like, well, like I'll, I'll see if like, if I want to get it on PS4 and if it's got a free upgrade or something, whatnot, but uh, I, I'm I'm looking at it. It's on the radar for sure. Yep, that's on the radar for me as well. Me being a big Evil Dead fan, uh, that's probably going to be a day one for me. But we'll see how it goes for the rest of the people out there and see what the reception is to the game overall when it does come out. Uh, also, you know, we talked about Aliens Fireteam, which now has a new name based off that last trailer, Aliens Fireteam Elite, I believe which we got an announcement that it is coming out in August, which as of the recording this, it's about two months away. It's coming out in August, and it is going to only be $39.99, and it's going to be available to play on the PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series X, and apparently the Switch at a later point. And it looks like a fun Alien Squad-based shooter. We did touch on that earlier. So that looks to be uh, very interesting and something I know I'm definitely going to be playing. But I do want to get into kind of the biggest non-E3 related news that has cropped up uh, as recently as the past week that has caused kind, uh, kind of a big controversy going across the interwebs, as the cool people say. So in April, there was a game called Abandoned that was revealed for the PlayStation 5 that was coming from a small... Dutch studio named uh, Blue uh, Blue Box Game Studios. There was hardly no details on it, and it all it all you can see in the mini trailer they showed, which is cinematic footage, is somebody walking first person view with a handgun in their hand in the forest that's covered in snow, and then the title crawls up abandoned. So, you know, people went to great lengths, especially in the Reddit verse to kind of find out more about this game, more about Blue Box Game Studios, which is a new name in the gaming industry, relatively. I mean, there's come up, you know, kind of like research on them that they've developed indie titles in the past, but nothing to this scale of what they were revealing now. And apparently an elaborate theory came out, you know, basically that this game is just a front for a new Silent Hill game, and that Basically, this is Kojima once again at the height of his powers, you know, trolling in 4D while we're all still playing in 2D, the same way he did when uh, he revealed the Phantom Pain. And basically, you know, people hopped onto this and basically assumed that it was true. But what did no favors was that Blue Box uh, Game Studio social accounts started leaving out messages, basically, in tweets that 
one, they kind of latched onto the hype surrounding that this could possibly be related to Silent Hill with such stupid tweets as, you know, you were going to show off the game and, you know, in the sense that we're going to have our own uh, PS5 app de- dedicated to the game. That's going to be a trailer, but it's going to be playable, you know, uh-huh, kind of like PT was in the day, playable teaser, playable trailer, however you interpreted that, kind of like that. Then also their their main game developer, the head of the studio's name, Hassan Karaman. People looked up his name and translated it to English. And apparently one of the names translated to Hideo. So people were all in at this point. And then what really sent everyone to frenzy, they decided to let out a tweet where they were like, oh, the real title of our game is not actually abandoned. That's just a working title. But we'll give you a hint. The first letter of the working title is S. The last letter of the working title is L. What do you think it is? So, of course, everybody lost their shit at this point. It was like, it's Silent Hill. It's got to be Silent Hill. Why else would they do that? So the Internet's on fire. They're saying they're going to reveal a trailer at that point, June 22nd. The teaser's going to be up. All this shit's going to happen. And they're going to they're gonna let you know who it is, even to the point that um, Jeff Keighley gets involved and is like, I've been talking with Hassan Karaman myself and blah, blah, blah. And he, I have no idea what this game's about, but I'm help, I'm down to help him on the PR side, reveal the game and talk more about it, which people know that Keeley has really big ties and he's a really big friend. And uh, I would say almost to the point of a best friend of Hideo Kojima. So people had that uh, linked into it. People also saw that, you know, now with that coming out, you know, the whole S and L tweet that, you know, it's got to be. And then they, you know, they followed the Blue Box Game Studios, saw kind of like the hype and kind of the fever pitch the community's at and decided to respond and say, no, 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 guys, we actually don't have anything to do with Kojima. We have nothing to do with Konami. We have nothing to do with Silent Hill as a franchise. It's its, its own game. It has nothing to do with that. And where thing gets even weirder at this point, Konami updates their store it suddenly says that same week they're doing a drop for new Silent Hill merch, which Konami has not done any drops for Silent Hill merch in a long time, further stoking the fires that they were going to drop merch for at the same time as this reveal for this codename Abandoned slash Silent Hill game was going to be revealed. So you have all this going on. People have all these now crazy, like, fan theories that Hassan Karman is not a real person. The person that appears on his profile picture for any of his accounts is actually a hired actor and that it's actually Hideo Kojima behind it. And Hideo Kojima paid this actor to, to make believe he's a game developer just for the flex to troll everybody. And that Abandon is really going to be a Silent Hill game because of the other, other connection that the nickname of the working title is Abandon, just the way PT had to be abandoned because of Kojima's issues with Konami's, all this 4D chest. And then the 22nd came and no trailer drop. And they were, and we were told that it was going to be delayed till the 25th because of localization issues. Hassan Karman actually showed his face on camera and said he's a real person. And you know, they're sorry they have to delay the, the reveal trailer until the 25th, but he is a real person. He has nothing to do with Hideo Kojima, Konami, or uh or silent the Silent Hill franchise in any way. Okay, fine. The 25th comes the day they were supposed to now. This is the this is the second update. He gets on the screen, another 
kind of selfie style recorded video and says, guys, we're under a lot of stress. Unfortunately, we couldn't, you know, hash out the localization issues. And I'm paraphrasing here. It wasn't word for word what he said, but basically, hey, guys, we're, you know, me and the team, we want to make sure we're doing the best here. We're under a lot of stress the past two weeks. We're happy that a lot of people are interested in the game, but we're really a small, you know, studio based out of the Netherlands. And we're under a lot of stress right now, but we couldn't laugh hash out the localization issues and fix kind of some of kind of the bugs that crept up last moment. So we're going to delay the gameplay reveal and trailer reveal until August, until we figure these things out. Thanks. Okay. So that's what happened. That's where we currently sit as of the 28th of June. Now people are still saying they don't buy it. They still think there's, why would, if you're not really making a Silent Hill game, why would you put out such stupid tweets as that? Why would you put yourself in that position? If, especially if you have nothing to do with it, knowing how rabid the Silent Hill fan base is, knowing how they're going to respond if this game is not what they expect it to be, knowing all that, then you still got people holding on to hope, saying that it is going to be a Silent Hill game and that Kojima's still trolling us and he does have involvement. Because Kojima apparently bought office video game office space in the Netherlands, which happens to be the same place where Gamebox Studios is based out of the Netherlands. All this trolling, and I'm and I'm a person that's a big Silent Hill fan. You've heard me on prior episodes of this podcast say I would die for a new sequel or if a, or a remaster of one of the older games to be done on the current gen hardware. I I lose my shit. But I don't know, man. I don't know if this is more trolling. And I'm leaning more to the side that this was just, you know, blue box game studios riding the hype train to get abandoned, you know, in people's mouths and on people's minds. But I got to think you couldn't have shot yourself in the foot more by tweeting out the first letter starts with S, the last letter ends with L. What do you think the game's named at? And then try to tell people right after that, yeah, we're not Silent Hill. What did you think was going to happen? And if the stress Hassan Karman alluded to in his videos updates is that is based off of the fact that they kind of plagued themselves by putting this chip on their shoulder or the weight of an entire gaming community for Silent Hill fans on their shoulder by misrepresenting what their game actually is, then I've got no, no sympathy for you, pal. No sympathy whatsoever. I mean, I've been ranting on this now for a few minutes, Mike. You, you know, give your side of it. Um. This was all a marketing ploy from the very beginning. I am 100% convinced of it. Um, A, when you take a look at Konami's history with Kojima and the very, very bad terms that he left on, I don't see how Konami would go ahead and extend the olive branch to, hey, let's come back and work on Silent Hill for us, whatever, do that, do this the third. Um, I think that uh, what Blue Ball Studio, yes, Blue Ball Studio, because that's exactly what they gave everybody, I think they just harnessed the name. I, I think they fucking just, you know, uh, brought forth the name in order to fucking get any sort of eyes on their studio, on their game whatsoever. Uh, the main question is, how the fuck did they get Jeff Keighley aboard? I, like, that's one of the big things for me. It says, like, they, they actually got Jeff Keighley aboard and for him to say a few things like, yeah, I'm going to be working with them for blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm over here like, okay, that's, that's a thing. But then you have Hassan come out and he's like, yeah, no, we're not Silent Hill at all. We are not affiliated with Konami. We, you know, we're, we don't work for Konami. We don't develop for Konami at all. And it's like, so why did you do that? So why did you, why did you go ahead and we're like, Hey, 
our our game our game title isn't really abandoned. It begins with an S and ends with an L. Why did you do that? Why did you? That's that's why I think it was fucking marketing, man. They just wanted to fucking harness the name of Silent Hill for you know for for evil. They they just wanted to get eyes on them and their project, and uh, and and they didn't even reveal whatever they were gonna fucking reveal, man. Whatever stupid app that they fucking had, and whatever trailer that they were gonna show on the twenty second, they pushed to the twenty fifth, and they were like, "Yeah, we're 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 gonna push it again." Like, go fuck yourselves, guys, huh? You can't just fuck with everyone's emotions like that. When it comes to a beloved franchise that people are fucking dying for more content of, and just be like, "Yeah, we're uh." Don't want to say too much. Don't want to humble brag here, but we're totally working on fucking Silent Hill. And oh, guys, we're not working on Silent Hill. We didn't want to make it seem like we were working on Silent Hill. We have nothing to do with that. So fucking don't do it. Don't fucking say that you're working on Silent Hill. Don't don't use Silent Hill's name for fucking evil. Don't don't you dare harness that fucking name, bro. It, it's it was just a marketing ploy. I'm convinced. I, I, I gotta say though, like uh, you know, I'm just listening to you. You know, give your side of it. And and at this point, uh, I'm a, if the game's first letter starts with I should say S and the last letter ends with L, I'm assuming the game is called Shell Pills because that's what they gave us all and we shelled out hard for it. At least those of us who were given some credence to the idea. But I'm still mm-hmm. on the I'm not on the fence as far as whether the game exists or not. I I'm I'm totally leaning more towards the side of this is uh trolling 101 at its finest, but something for me still doesn't add up in the sense that. If they're just an indie studio with no major backer behind them with and not working on a major license, how is it possible that they could get Jeff Keighley involved, but also they're getting a PS5 app developed specifically for them to reveal their trailer and their game? Like that yeah, takes these are serious backing. Yeah. That like I I really don't know how they managed to pull that off. Like it's not like Jeff Keighley is some fucking scrub. No, he's uh, whether your opinion on it on him out you know withstanding, he's a pretty big player in the industry these days, and like he's very good friends with Hideo Kojima. We know that, but and to just get him to go along and you know like oh hey yeah you know I'm I'm working on Blue Box Studios for their new game and we're gonna do stuff. <laughs> what? What? How did you do that? Like that's that's the that's like one of the biggest mysteries. Like the mystery of them fucking around and playing galactic fucking chess with you know everyone's uh, you know feelings and shit when it comes to uh, fucking around and pretending that they were Silent Hill when they're really not. That's one thing. It's actually getting people within the industry to come along for the ride. That's the fucking mystery. That's that's what I want to know. That's why people are thinking that Keely knows more. And he's letting on and there's something more to this. I don't know what that more is. I don't know if this is a new IP, if it is going to turn out to be Silent Hill and, you know, they're fucking around on us or, you know, the other way around that it's nothing to do with it. And they just wanted to hype a new IP. Who knows at this point? But to me, if the game does ultimately turn out to be nothing related to Silent Hill, you obviously don't know. Maybe you didn't go to school and, and, you know, really reflect on that lesson they taught you early on in school about cause and effect because the Mm. cause is you're trolled the effect is going to be whether your game is introduced and whether it's technically sound good bad indifferent your game is going to get reviled because you decided to do dumb shit 
And yep. you decided to play stupid games, as I always like to say, you play a stupid game, you win stupid prizes. You, you, you in the end, you get whatever your 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 bullshit basically you get whatever your bullshit is worth you get what whatever you put in in time is what you get back and if they're going to put the time in more to trolling than actually developing this game and that's why the shit got delayed again then you know you're an asshole and if you and your whole development team are now you know stressed out and probably fielding unfortunately i hate to say this but that's how the gaming community be fielding death threats now because you didn't reveal a silent hill game i hate to say it nobody deserves that but you should have known the fire you were playing with by tweeting out something as stupid as SNL. You shouldn't have done that. And at the end of the day, and this is going to lead us into our next and I should say our last and final topic of the podcast for this episode. They're going to find themselves, unfortunately, in kind of a media shitstorm. It's very similar to cyberpunk, not where everybody's going to be playing the game, but where everybody's going to be shitting on them without even giving their game a chance, just because of word of mouth. That's what it's going to be. And it's unfortunate they got themselves in that position. But at the end of the day, they have nobody to blame besides themselves. And uh, moving on to uh, Cyberpunk, as of this podcast currently right now, since the last time we spoke about Cyberpunk months ago, back in the winter, probably in November or December when the game was still fresh out, it's finally back up on digital storefronts. And both Xbox and PSN have announced They are getting rid of their full refund policies on the game because to them, the game has been fixed to a satisfactory state. And CD Projekt Red has said that the updates that they have added in the time that the game was delisted, uh, they have said that they have fixed the game to a satisfactory standard for them. While they will still be improving the games, they believe the game still runs well enough now. But here's the caveat. Still runs well enough now if you have a next-gen console in order to be played all the way through, but they still do not recommend that if you have anything under a PS4 Pro or Xbox One X that you even attempt it, which is to me is LOL, because at that point, if they still don't run on consoles, you technically develop them for, no matter which version of the console it is, what did you really fix if you still have to put that caveat at the bottom? Exactly. Especially you were you promised that you were developing from these consoles from the outset, you know, pro versions notwithstanding. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that the game is back. I'm glad that they have it to a satisfactory level, but it's probably going to be another few more months, probably even six more to the point where they had, you know, they feel like this is the true vision of their game. Uh, sure, it runs satisfactorily now, but they had a lot of work to do on this fucking game back in December, especially at the time when they pulled it, you know, six months later, sure. That's a decent amount of time to fix a lot of the bugs, you know, steamroll a lot of the uh, shit that needed to be ironed out and shit. But, um, I feel like you need another six more months guy. And like the satisfactory level isn't the same as the level you want it. You intend it to be, at nobody wants to put out a game at a satisfactory level you want to put out a game that works as to the best of its ability that you can get it that you intend it for it to be but uh i I mean their their explanation as far as when the game was relisted was basically if you go to buy a car used car from somebody 
and you go to tell them, oh, okay, you know, um, is there any issues with the car or anything? And they just went, eh, it starts. That that's basically what they gave you. That that was garbage. That was exactly the it it starts. I mean, yeah, you can drive it. I don't know how far it's gonna take you, but you can technically start the thing and drive. So technically it is a car. Your violet your mileage will vary, but technically it is a car, and that's basically what they're doing with cyberpunk it, it, it plays i want to slap the shit out of whoever fucking said that that that's that is one of the most harebrained dumpster fire fucking reasonings and ex- explanations for a game's fucking poor state of release i've ever heard yeah it's a good that, that we're not talking about used fucking cars here bucko we're talking about a game that had been in uh, calm down calm down it was my analogy right it was my analogy i made that up right i now. know it was your analogy i i that was my well, like, analogy, but I'm just saying, I'm saying that's how I compare it to. Don't, 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 oh, don't kill oh, me. They didn't say that? <laughs> they didn't say that. I'm saying that was how I compare the situation. Oh, okay. All right. I thought, holy shit. <laughs> you're, you're, about, you're about to come for the throat of a, of a fucking guy from Finland for no reason, man. Like, let's, let's, let's. I'm, I'm, I'm over here getting ready to invade Poland all over again. <laughs> let's, listen, buddy. Listen, buddy. I got the best advice for you. Control yourself. Oh man, that was whoa! But that I tell you what, though, man, if somebody actually did say that, I, 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 I'm gonna slap you through the TV screen. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody at least in the car world that said that he came up to them. You're like, oh, I'm interested in your, you know, whatever for, for the three thousand bucks. Can you tell? Can Can you tell me about the car? Uh, yeah, I mean, has it been in any accidents? No. How How's the mileage? Uh, any issues under the hood? Eh, it starts. Oh yeah, <laughs> but you know what? It'll get you from A to B, kinda. <laughs> it's like as long as A to B is within a ten mile radius. Any anything uh, further than that, you're, you you know you you might you might have to yeah you, you might, might be touch and go <laughs> yeah you might you might be taking unnecessary gambles with your life. You might play be playing a little Russian roulette once you you know you buckle the seatbelt. So you you know it it's one of those things where it's like yeah they say the game can be played if you have a PS5 or an Xbox uh, Series X preferably rather than the One X or the Pro or even a base PS4 or base Xbox One and I get that but it's like like it goes back to what you said they said they were developing this game for the next gen consoles from the ground up which was bullshit because they wanted to get that extra money while people were still on the older consoles so they you know released it for both it wasn't patched anywhere near for what it needed to be you know they basically holes kept appearing and they kept applying silly putty and a leak would spring out one way and they'd spring out the other way and they'd block that one then another leak and it was never truly fixed and they've even hinted now that the next gen update that they're supposed to be dropping or the next gen version, whatever the hell that's going to end up being is probably not going to be around until 2022. And I mean, at this point it's going to, I hate to say it and it's scary to say, but it honestly wouldn't surprise me if we get, if cyberpunk sales don't pick up as far as now that it's relisted on the stores or they start recouping some costs about it, even CD project Red, as much goodwill as they had in the past and as much, as it would be a consumer-friendly move for them to fix everything and give people the game they envision, it would not surprise me if they pulled an anthem and just abandoned the project and just like, listen, we're, we're just going to take the L and move on to the next thing and hope we can do better next time. I, I hope not, man, because Cyberpunk was something that I wanted to play. Uh, anthem, not so much, because I, I knew what Anthem was at the fucking start. Cyberpunk, we were promised one thing, and we got a skeleton on fucking skis, and he's just 
fucking lazily going down the mountain, just smacking every branch he sees. Um, I I also know that CD Projekt is also working on their next-gen Witcher upgrade. So, like, you know, like, continue going slow. I do not want you to rush shit and fuck something up somewhere. Take it slow. It's what you should have done in the first place with Cyberpunk. People, we can wait. Like, be firm with your investors. You know, you gotta, you gotta be like, no, this game is not ready. Like, we will have a backlash of un, unprecedented proportions, and you did. So, you know, maybe just uh, play the long game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but unfortunately, in this world built on studios mostly worrying about the bottom line, not really, you know, consumer will. We'll we'll see we'll see which uh which agenda wins out, but I, I I'm really on the fence as far as whether they're gonna really realize these goals or they're just gonna say, screw it, man, we'll we'll get you a new Witcher, we'll we'll give you a remastered version of the Witcher three, and we'll make those as best <laughs> as we can. But it's gonna be a it's we're we're just gonna accept the L on this one, unfortunately, and you know. You can still play it and get through it if you have a console that's worthy enough to, you know, run it with despite its issues. But if you have an older console, we're sorry, buddy. Get get that new get that new uh, genware, you know, get lost, unfortunately, or play it on PC. And uh, I hate to say it, but I feel like it's it's a high possibility these days with cyberpunk, especially if the the costs don't meet the the I would say the the proceeds don't meet the cost of further development. And it's sad to say, but. I can totally see it going that way. Same, unfortunately. I, I don't want it to, but it could definitely happen. Uh, honestly, when all of this, when, when this fiasco happened and their shares started fucking free-falling, I thought that was going to be the end of CD Projekt Red right there. Like, I, I, I thought that they would 100% get beheaded in the name of the king, fall on the sword, whatever, and, and like, just, you know eat the costs and shit, but uh, I'm glad they survived. I'm glad they are putting in the time to do what they need to do to make cyberpunk a better game. And even if it is satisfactory right now, I'm, you know, I would suggest give it another six months. It's not like you don't have shit to play in the meantime. It's not like you don't have uh, anyone, anyone on the face of this planet who plays games a lot. Doesn't have a major backlog to get through. God knows I do. So playing cyberpunk right this fucking second is not a big priority. I can't wait until the game is done. Yeah, me too. I, I'm personally just going to wait till if ever that next gen update comes out and see what it is. Maybe I'll play the current version if it ever hits a deep discount and because at least with a deep discount, I could swallow the issues and kind of, you know, kind of, you know, I know what I'm setting myself up for, but at a lower price tag, it's, you know, it's more acceptable to kind of accept those issues and it won't be as much of a grind on me if there are glitches and other kinds of annoyances. But that's pretty much it on the cyberpunk front. And also that was the last topic. And that wraps up this episode of the JM Mike Take Flight podcast. As always, we appreciate everyone that tunes in and listens, whether you're listening on Spotify, whether you're listening on Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're happy that you're tuning in because we are available on everything. So we're glad that you're tuning in. We see that we even have some fans, you know, tuning in from across the ocean. I've seen some people from Russia. I've seen some people from Germany tuning in. I've seen some Canadians tuning in. And once again, we thank all of you that take the time to tune in and listen to our podcast. 
And every listen, every little bit share of a podcast link helps out in an immense way. And it also, you know, motivates us just more and more to keep going. And I know that we have been kind of uh, missing in action lately, but we kind of wanted to round up all the news and all the big stories and give it to you in long form content because that's kind of our thing. We, we try to do our best. While we n- might not release an episode every other week or every couple of weeks, when we do release an episode, we try to drop a big one for you guys, something to hold you over for a while. And then when we do come back, we'll do the same again. And we just want to say thank you for listening and you know tuning in as much as you guys do. And for everyone that shares and has subscribed to the podcast, thank you. We appreciate it tons. And you know, sooner than later, we'll be back with another episode. So I just want to say this is Mike and Jay signing out. Have a good one.